Give a little time for the child within you. Don't be afraid to be young and free. Undo the locks and throw away the keys and take off your shoes and socks and run you. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. And I'm Jordan Morris, boy detective. And this is Jordan, Jesse, go! This week on Jordan Jesse Go, we've been gone for far too long, so we hit you with a super double extra awesome long show. Let's go. It's Jordan Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. I'm Jordan Morris, boy detective. Oh, fun guest, huh? Fun guest. Yeah. Fun guest. Number one, he's he's bringing in a nice t-shirt. <laughs> I like that. I like somebody who steps up to the plate and says, I care about this program. I'm bringing in a nice, clean, new shirt. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Todd Glass. Todd, thank you. welcome now, to the show. It's so great to have you here. Now I'm starting to think something, because before we went on the uh, podcast, I started to think that you were being serious. But now I think you about might be mocking me. No, no. I'm a big supporter of a clean white t-shirt. Well, I, I was going to actually thought... I, I was, just bought four on the internet. Really? Yeah, I use the internet to buy them. Okay, Where why do you, do you buy a white T-shirt. I mean, that's a pretty gettable Here's why. item. Okay. Here's why. Remember when we had Jordan Jesse Go T-shirts? I do. Um, we printed them on the special alternative apparel T-shirts. Okay. You may remember this. Um, uh, I got a wholesale account with uh, Alternative Apparel when I did that. Um, now I can buy things wholesale from Alternative Apparel, and so I buy the good stuff. Oh, okay. Now they're more expensive, but I decided I'm going to treat myself. It's- I, I love uh, new T-shirts. Matter of fact, we were talking about this before. Is that uh, I, with socks? I just decided. Now forget about my dress socks because I don't wear them that often. But just my white socks, ankle socks. Ninety-nine percent. We're talking about ankle socks. Sometimes we're talking about a calf sock. I don't never go calf. Never? Uh, not no 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 never. Are not you talking? Would you ever for wear for workout gym for workout? I wear I wear two types. What one, types do you wear, Todd? One below the sneak where it just barely comes out of the sure. sneak. Sure, a no see him. And then one and then one that. <laughs> There's a bug my mom calls that. Oh yeah. And yeah. Then, anyway. I'm wearing a no show sock right now. No, you have no. You really have no. I sock. cannot. No show sock. For those of you oh, really? listening at home, you cannot see the man's sock. Yeah. And then the one that comes past your sneak around an inch, but they never match up because I used to buy them. You know, once sometimes at wherever I was at, at Macy's or Ross or Target. So I just finally said, you know what? Give them all to charity because then you don't have to feel guilty. Just get rid of them. And yeah. I bought seven, uh, five or seven, about six packets of brand new white socks. They match. I don't have to take them out of the dryer and figure out, does this one go with that one? You don't understand? Yeah, Todd, you're, you know, you're not in college anymore. Treat yourself to a yeah. nice clean pack of socks. Yeah. That, that, I, I've been feeling that too lately. I've been, you, know, you know what? Here's a, here's a nice thing you can do for yourself. Yes. Putting on a clean pair of socks feels amazing. It does. So, yeah. You know what I like to do with the, with my uh, with an athletic sock. So I'll usually wear a dress sock, or in in this case also wear a no see em. <laughs> Wait, I just I just just before before oh. I forget before we get too far off the topic of socks. Uh, I, I mean Jesse, you, you're one of your hobbies is kind of you know dressing semi, dressing gay, semi anachronistic ish gay dressing. Sure. Have you ever considered a sock garter? Um, no, because I'm not a parody. I'm not a joke. <laughs> okay. I'm I'm wearing a perfectly reasonable outfit right now. It's a little bit... It looks like everybody I grew up with. So to me, it's so pretty sort of normal, you know? Yeah, uh, but but you, New England, you're sp- referring to specifically. I grew up in... No, no, I grew up in... But, you know, oh. Philadelphia, the main line, you know, Villanova okay. area. 
So it's like very preppy. But you, when, when, by the way, I just realized your nose socks are really nosey socks. I'm talking about white ones. Yours are like, they look like when you go to try on a pair of shoes and they give you that panty. Yeah, that's the, that's the situation. That it, it, It's just, it's better for the shoe. And it feels a little more comfortable? Yeah, you get a little bit less of an abrasion. Yeah. You don't want the abrasion. Right. You know what I'm talking about, Todd? Sure. I like to go to the Costco, and when I need athletic socks, I go to the Costco. I'll buy them by the bag, champion brand athletic socks. And what I do every time, ever since I discovered this, it was just such a revelation to me. When I just as it was for you, Todd, like what an amazing moment it is when you realize, like, you know what? I'm a grown up, so it's probably okay if I spend thirty dollars on twelve pairs of yeah. socks. <laughs> well, you know what? For me, it was. It I wasn't, can just switch them out. Yeah, it wasn't even the thing like being cheap because a lot of the socks that I had were. You know, I'll be. You know, when you're buying a pair of good sneaks and the socks are a little extra there, but you go, ah, screw it. And I, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was that they didn't match, so I got rid of some really good white socks, mm-hmm. and got rid of some really bad white socks to just have medium white socks. You got rid of some socks that you bought at Neiman Marcus just because you were on the road. There was a Neiman Marcus right there. You forgot to pack right. some socks. You got rid of some of those, but you also got rid of some socks that you accidentally stole from the bowling alley. Right. <laughs> hey guys, yeah. you know what this uh, you know what this reminds me of what we're doing right here? What's what? that? Uh, a billboard I saw driving reminds me of a billboard I saw driving over for the show Entourage. Uh-huh. Tagline Life changes, friends don't. Yeah, you said it, George. Doesn't this doesn't really I mean I don't know if you guys have when seen that. When you've got billboard. great fr- I know that when I've got great friends like Jordan Morris Todd Glass, of course, and I are very close. Um, I feel like nothing's going to spin out. No matter what kind of crazy stuff is going on in my life, I can call up my pals Jordan and Todd, and we can just talk about anything. Seriously, Jordan, we can talk about anything. And, you know, at its core, that is what Entourage is about. People I think agree. it's, you know, it's just about the... Lifestyle you know, the cars porn. or the, you know, or the public fucking or, you know, what? But no, it's about friends. Or identifying with assholes because you yourself are an asshole. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I have friends yeah. like that that I look, come from Philadelphia. And every so often when I just want like, and, and again, my life here is pretty normal. I don't want to make it sound like I'm, you know, a, a rock star living some, but, you know. Although, what, Todd, I did see you last night at well, a Hollywood premiere. You did. I, do, I want to point that out. As a guest, Not you were not working, you weren't. Selling concessions. Yes. You were a guest of the premiere. Anyways, no, I did. So I, I did, uh, and I and I and I was. Uh, but but you know, but so. But I mean, it's like I'm not like you know so far. Wait so a minute. Far. I need to rewind for a second. Sure. Are you telling me, Jordan, that Todd wasn't selling concessions at the <laughs> no. premiere? No. <laughs> because I would expect that Todd Glass, successful stand-up comedian, uh, went quite far on Last Comic Standing, tours the nation. My mom was really rooting for you on Last Comic Standing, by the way. Yes, we we were rooting together, but usually. That's so you know what? This sounds really uh, 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 maybe what I think I should say, but it is really from my heart. You know, obviously, as the years go on, because it was a long time ago that I was on that show. I mean, it was probably about four four years ago, five years ago. Uh, but still, if I'm in a town and somebody comes up to me and they go, we were really rooting for you, it really, like, sort of melts me a little bit because yeah. I'm like, somebody was sitting in their living room and you connect with them and you're like, oh, that's so sweet. Like, I, I don't think they realize, they go, oh, you hear that all the time. I'm like, no, I don't. I, I still appreciate that. And And even more than that, I don't know why, maybe because it's even, to me, doing the podcast that we've just did for about a year, I guess maybe it's, I don't want to say it's pure because I love doing stand-up comedy and I wouldn't give up either, but I enjoy the podcast for even a different reason. It is 
I mean, it's as pure as you can get if you let it be that way. Not being afraid of having conversations like we just had. Like, oh, is that boring? Or is that no? That's what we talk about. We, I mean, frankly, on our show, what we try and do is just accept the fact that it's boring. I mean, there's no <laughs> doubt that our show is boring. What? I don't know why people make the terrible mistake of listening to us, but they have. So well, we we better not surprise them. We don't want to get go out, come out of left field with some an interesting topic, like uh, you know. Things that are going on in the right. world, or something like that. We want tort to focus reform. in. Let tort reform, exactly. for example. We want to focus in on hosiery. And you say that, and, and <laughs> somewhat modestly, because I think you know, obviously, somewhat. there's people that are. Somewhat. Well, I mean, I'm sure at one level you know that it, I go through the same thing. Like, is this boring? And I, but uh, I think you're just looking for a group of people that say, "Hey, this is what we talk about. Uh, do you want to come along for the ride?" And uh, but what I, what I was saying with the stand-up is. Which I love, but you still got to, you know, you have to have punchlines and you got to have a, you know, with the with the podcast. You're sort of pushing people along for the yeah. ride when you're doing stand-up. Yeah, and, and having a good time doing it. But with the podcast, when people come up to me and they're like, you know, hey, we really enjoy your podcast. I For some reason, it does an extra amount to me. It's kind of that new sock feeling. <laughs> yeah. That's how <laughs> I would me, describe it. Makes it makes me want to go have a drink at the bar with them. I'm like, yeah. well, if you like our podcast... Then you gotta be cool, so let's go have you know, let's go have a drink together. Yeah, no, I, I, I always I always really, really appreciate someone coming up uh for, and they always they always I feel like most of the time they preface it like, I'm sorry, I know I'm this weirdo, I know I seem like the weirdo. I go, but, No, you're not. No, no, I always is, say that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think it's just because this is it, it is such a personal medium. It is, yeah. you know, it's like you know, it's not like they saw you play an alien on Star Trek or something and like oh I don't want to be you know like no this is just you talking yeah. with some guys you know so, so. but but uh, but yeah going back to what you said about uh what what made us go down that journey about uh, talking about it <laughs> oh anything? my I said my mom was rooting for you oh, on last time and and, I, and that you're right and that made me think yes yeah, so and so it always makes me feel like oh thank you and then I don't know what to say I feel like I should be funny so I have my standard joke I go hey Ed, should I uh, did I give you owe you money for your vote or something and I'm like <laughs> And then everybody gets uncomfortable and we walk away. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to... What if I took my, I took my own commercial break? just breaks. take the reins. <laughs> it's like, hey, you know what? I'm here. Let's do this. We'll be right back after this word from Lexapro. Uh, Todd, that's not our sponsor. Oh, you know oh that's my sponsor, guys. <laughs> I'm sponsored in this appearance on your show by Lexapro. What Lexapro? But the fine is? folks at Toblerone want you to know. What is Lexapro? I don't know. Oh, is it's a, a you know it's a prescription drug. It's either boner or hair growth. Okay. Do you know? I, Maybe it's a little of both. Yeah, Just it grows hair on your boner. <laughs> for that hairier boner. Did you ever see see the commercial where they walk around people uh, supposedly walking around asking people that weren't hired from the product uh, if they use extends? Oh God, those are so weird. And they go those to are no, so fucking weird. They're supposed to may pretend they're going up to regular people on the street, but come on, who walks up to anybody on the street and goes, "Hey, do you use Extends?" Uh, yeah. Uh, extends uh, for the people who don't know is the uh, male enhancement. It's a brand of no footwear. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Uh, no, it's one of these things that's not approved by the FDA, but and has this kind of vague claim about extending the light, you know, extending your, your manhood performance, and you don't know like oh, does it make it bigger? Yeah. Is it just why it last longer? No, they but, say everything. It makes it last yeah, longer. Yeah. Makes it bigger, and they go up to strangers on the street, and they always say things like, first of all, it's amazing that if people are that honest about using it, they're not going to use the language that obviously the producers want them to use. <laughs> so they never go, hey, it makes, we're allowed to curse on this, right? Yeah, yeah sure, They sure. never go, you know, I'm not cursing just to curse, but I'm just saying it's, it's never anything like, yeah, it Hi. makes my, 
Boyfriend. Don't curse just a curse. I can already tell you're going to curse just a curse. <laughs> Why are you cursing just... Sounds like Kevin Meany. Kevin? Why are you cursing just a curse? Um, Wear, wearing your tight pants. <laughs> oh, I always God. like a good excuse to do a Kevin Meany impression. But it's never wearing anyone... the tight pants. It's never anybody going like... Uh, it makes my boy... You know, it's never a girl going, it makes my boyfriend's cock bigger. You know, it's always like, yeah. well, it makes it... Uh, <laughs> that special that, part. Right, right, exactly. It, re- it really enhances yeah. that male area. Yeah. Like, no, wait, wait, does this give me a boner... Does it make it so I come slower? It like, just tell me! Extends commercial. It certainly uh, is like, wow. You don't know <laughs> yeah, right. You don't know what it does, Jordan? It makes your semen juicier. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. It, it does not affect the erection at all. No. It just gives it's the semen a... A certain juicy quality <laughs> that, that you're God. looking for in an ejaculate. Oh, Oh, hey, Todd. Uh, before, Todd, before, FYI, just, sorry. I did not say semen just to say semen. I just <laughs> want you to know that going in. Go ahead, Jordan. Uh, Todd, do you, do you, does your Rodney Dangerfield impression still have a place in your act? You mean doing Mitch doing him or just Rodney? <laughs> I, you know, I, I just remember a comedy show I saw you at once, and you did a, you did a Rodney Dangerfield impression that was really delightful, and I've just always wanted to hear well, it Well, you again. know, it's... It, it, I never, I don't want to sound like I'm, uh, you know, when people go, well, the thing about my act is, I never ever plan, like, uh, my set list has yeah. never been Rodney Dangerfield written on it, ever. <laughs> the only reason I do it, not no, not because I don't like Rodney, because obviously I'm a huge, well, not obviously, but... I'm I would huge. think that for most stand-up comedians who aren't doing a bit about Rodney Dangerfield, it's because they don't like Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> <laughs> you would, you know, you're being, right, yeah. you're kidding, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> don't worry Todd we're having fun right. um, but uh, but it's just for some reason every so often in my act I'll say something that has a Rodney Dangerfield cadence to it sure, sure. and whenever that happens I'll be like it's alright it's alright and then I'll go hey you know hey alright alright you know no big deal no big deal you know it's alright hey alright the, the night I saw you you just walked around the room doing that for about 10 minutes sometimes I want to be Rodney and it was just so I feel like I laughed the whole time hey how you doing you know um, the few times that I got to hang out with Rodney, uh, there used to be a comedian, well, not still, used to, uh, still, uh, Bob Nelson, and he opened up for Rodney a lot when I was very, very uh, just getting into comedy. And so because he was opening up for Rodney, I would, you know, be around Rodney. And it was larger. The only way I can explain it is being around Rodney. Okay, let's say you are a huge um, Don Rickles fan or a huge whoever fan. You you see them, and it's like, okay, you get a little nervous, whatever. You think, well, isn't that the same thing with Rodney? No. Rodney was more, and I'll, if you don't understand it first, you will understand when I explain it. It was more like meeting Fred Flintstone or Homer Simpson. You go, <laughs> well, you can't meet Homer Simpson. <laughs> right, or sure. And you shouldn't be able to meet Rodney. He is such a character and so large and so, no, Rodney's a cartoon. He's so larger than life. And then you meet him, you're like, holy shit. Like, there's that three inches for me and he's going all right hey what do you want to do you know it's all right hey hey bobby what do you want you know and pretty much talks <laughs> like want? that and i remember one night he was gambling at the riviera and um people started gathering around and he was actually really cool he was like all right all right no big deal you know and tried to go back to gambling and then more people gathered and he still put a little did a little comedy for him so yeah. they could all go home and go oh, rodney was so cool and he was really cool then at one point he just, he all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he goes, all right, all right, thanks. Hey, everybody, thanks for ruining a good fucking evening. <laughs> and he just walked away with, and, and I just trailed away with him. And like, I'm like, oh, and he just wasn't, 
in the mood. He felt like, come on, I gave you a little piece of me. I made you laugh. Keep walking. But nobody was walking. Nobody was trying to make pretend they weren't staring at him. It was like, because that's like, oh, my God, there's Homer Simpson sitting at a table gambling. I got to fucking take this in. So he was, it was, uh, it was, it was amazing. And he, he said one thing to me. He had that cadence that could make you laugh even if you don't know what he said. So one time he goes, my friend Bob Nelson, go, he goes, hey, this is Todd. He lives in Philadelphia. And he goes, that's good. You know, Philadelphia needs him. And we all went, ha, 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 And when he walked away, we went, what did he mean? <laughs> and that would happen a lot. He would just say something. You weren't fake laughing. That's a big difference. No, sure, you because were really he had, laughing. He's, that, that tone, right. how do you not laugh yeah, at not a laugh? thing in that, in that way? So that's what it was like the few times that I had, uh, that I had seen him. It was a real, real treat. And also, he was very supportive, which I admired, of new comedians, you know, having those specials. I think he made money off of those, but I really believe it was more a labor of love that he, you know, back then there weren't as many vehicles. So if you weren't Tonight Show friendly, how did you get on TV? So Rodney's specials launched a lot of careers of some people that would have, you know, hey, eventually if you're funny, you're going to get your turn. But uh, a lot of them, their turn was because of what Rodney showed. He was also really supportive. I always thought of slobs in their eternal battle against the snobs. <laughs> sure. You know, so that's another great thing about him, right? You mean Caddyshack type of thing? Uh... Yeah, yeah, sure. Your Caddyshacks, your, your whatnot. Was, was that the... Did he fight any snobs in Back to School? Yeah. Back to the, School. The dean was a little uppity in that, wasn't he? It's interesting that you put it that way. I never sort of put it that there was definitely a running theme and probably in some... He, even in Ladybug, he was, you know, this underdog and they, they were snobby and he he, give it, he gave him their Every ass on time. a plate. Yeah. Because yeah. he's Ronnie Dangerfield. You know what I saw? I saw Back to School... Um, when when I was when I was a kid, my mom for like extra money to pay the rent would take in English as a second language students, you know, that like had a homestay or whatever. And uh, one of them was uh, Swiss, and he, they, these kids would be in English school, like getting a certificate in English. So they'd be at our house for three months or six months or whatever. One of these kids has stayed at our house for six months, and his parents came to visit and stayed at our house for a week or something like that. And then at the end of it, they were they they invited me to go to Switzerland, which was pretty amazing because what am I? You know, I'm not going to Switzerland some other way. And they like brought me to Switzerland. Like I stayed at their house for a week, and it was really great. And um, they worked during the day, and I was I was maybe nine or ten, so I was a little bit too young to go out and to do do different stuff for the most part. So we went to this video store that was Switzerland's English language video store. But they only had like 15 videos, <laughs> so I picked Back to School, and I watched Back to School. And did they watch it with you? No, it was a solo. It was a solo viewing, Todd. Yeah. yeah. No, no. I was just curious if the, the what, joke. What's, what Swiss people think about Rodney <laughs> yes. Dangerfield? Well, I mean, yeah, that's normal. <laughs> that's an right? amazing question. I can you think of what a Swiss person would? Think? Switzerland is really like my impressions of Switzerland were that it was the way that you would think Switzerland would be. <laughs> you mean uh, toenail clippers come out of everything? Swiss Army knife. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm thinking what Swiss people, they don't have an... You don't think of them as... What is the reputation of Swiss people? I don't uh, think they're, 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 I mean, I guess they're, 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 the, like neut they're the neutral they're country. They're neutral, they're careful, they're uh, slightly agrarian, but also they're like... They sell insurance and uh, watches. Oh. You know, so they're like the kind of people you can set your watch to. And that's what they're like. Like everyone's really polite and stands up really straight and is super Aryan. And how are they deep down? Well, I didn't get that cruel. deep down in my week. Cruel. Yeah, they are pretty. They Actually, now that you mention it, 
they did lock me up in a dungeon for two of the seven days. No, they didn't. Which seems mean spirited now. Looking back on it, at the <laughs> time, at the time, seemed it fun. seemed like a theme adventure. <laughs> I, I thought that was just Swiss hospitality. You know, uh, sort of. I just thought it was a Swiss thing, like how they call Swiss cheese Emmentaler. You know what I mean? Because I have no uh, no patience for anyone who outwardly, to outwardly nice and deep down mean, or deep down nothing like you're like outwardly to be. That's what we always talk about is that that seems to be the way the 50s and 60s were outwardly you know proper and back then and but 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 behind the scenes so much shit going on that they never dealt with anything so when people always say when i hear that like oh we were proper and we stood straight yeah but how were you really how were you to other people how were you as a human being you know cuz i'll take someone with a little slouch that's fucking not judgmental I'll take that. I'll take a kind, sweet person that doesn't, that doesn't wipe their mouth maybe as hey, much as you fucking think hey, they should. Hey, motherfucker, why don't you be a little kinder and sweeter? <laughs> I know I'm cursing. I only, I get, uh, I get, uh, I get a little... Well, I brought up semen earlier, yeah. so I think from here on out anything goes. You know, actually, I, I might have kicked it off with Harry Boner. Yeah, absolutely. So we're all in the same boat yeah. here. We're having a lot of fun. The great uh, Todd Glass is here, uh, Jordan Morris, myself. We'll be back in just a second on Jordan, Jesse, Go. <laughs> It's Jordan, Jesse Go. I am Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. I'm Jordan Morris, boy detective. Todd, you get to make up a nickname for yourself if you'd uh, like to. I'm, uh, I did want a nickname. There used to be a kid in my high school. His name was E, E4, Edward the Fourth. Uh huh. And I wanted it. People called him E4? Yeah, called him that's E4. Good, that's good. I thought it was a great nickname. I was like, E4. So I had T1. Because I'm <laughs> Todd the first. Right. T1. I was like, no, nah, I really, I, you know what? Looking back, I'm thinking, come on, were you joking about wanting a nickname? T1 is solid, though. I wanted it. T1. I like E4, too, because I, it makes me wonder if rapper E40 is actually just, uh, you know, Eric the 40th. Probably not. Probably. <laughs> I mean, probably. 40th? Yeah, probably. That's a lot of people. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so T1 is what I wanted. T1? Or, or, I say uh, T1. I like T1. Or look, because I have dyslexia, and we thought that was the cool backwards. So the nickname cool. could be Love. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But, I like T one better. Yeah, T one's better. I prefer T one. I prefer T one. I like T one. It's punchy. T one. It's got some kick. You know. Ladies what I mean? and gentlemen, you're listening to T one. Yeah. That's my holy. Was radio. that like a, a morning radio or an old timey radio? That's the uh, kind of halfway in between. You're listening to Tom Likas. That's oh, my, okay. That's sure. my that's my that guy voice. I don't know who it is, but he. Makes money in radio a lot. <laughs> 80, po- 80 volts of watts. You know those ones where they have the longest. 80,000 uh, watts hey, of pure Hey, T1, power. I've been out on four dates with this chick, and she still hasn't given up the goods. <laughs> and you give me some awful advice. Yeah. About punching I, her. I love Hey, T, that's the, uh, that, what, that's the uh, 1950s like voice of like, hey, you know, the sort of. Hey, a, yeah. yeah. Well, now, the, we always ask this. I'm curious if you have an opinion on that. Was that TV imitating what really happened, or was that TV make pretending? Did I did... want to know that too? But here's the thing. Okay, here's the thing. I I have I had always wondered whether that was just how actors talked, and so it was just a fancy. It was just in the in the middle of the 20th century. People just wanted to talk a little fancy if they were in broadcasting. That's that's one possibility. 
but I, uh, you know, we we have this podcast called Coil and Sharp, the Imposters, and on this show, it's these two guys who went around San Francisco in the beginning of the '60s doing put-ons with just random people on the street, and uh, there is a significant number of people who talk like uh, like Leave It to Beaver style. So you think maybe it was? Uh... Yeah, I yeah, think maybe yeah. there was a broad range because I think some people maybe talked like country bumpkins maybe as it well. Very, yeah, it was a big class distinction between that. Maybe it was like n- n- the the you know uh, broad national broadcasting wasn't uh, wasn't broad enough um, and hadn't had enough time to seep into the culture. So regional speech and class speech was like more pronounced. Right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I feel yeah. like whenever, you know, whenever, like, NPR does a back-in-the-day segment and just plays old old radio footage, they, they're all going, like, you know, well, I think it's just swell that man went to the moon, just swell. You know, and I, I, I don't know, I feel like all the news recordings reflect that, too. There, there's a guy on his voice, I, I really mean this, I, sometimes I comedically go, he's got to stop. But I'm serious. Like, I cannot believe that someone hasn't stopped him yet. I, I, I'm, uh-huh. He does the things where he goes, it was a, it was a cloudy Saturday night. He's do- you know when they reenact Wait. a murder that happened? Right. He's with 60 Minutes. He's got gray hair, and it's, and it's sort of feathered back. And he does, oh, damn it, I, on, while we're taping this, I hope I can get the cadence of what he does so wrong out. So it could be like you... You're, they retell the story. In other words, your parents were killed. Yeah, okay. And I'm sitting here with you in prison. Yeah. Maybe you're, you're, they still think you did it. Okay. I'm interviewing you. Sure. And he'll go, with all the grief of the night, someone came into your parents' house and killed them. And you're sitting in your room, and when you woke up, you thought, what? Like, this <laughs> isn't you telling... This is somebody's life. You can't tell it like a murder mystery. You can't love your voice that much. If Sometimes you... you hear someone talking and you think they're not so much talking as singing a song. Different notes for no reason. reason. And you know who else yeah, does like that maybe... now that you think of it? Uh, I'm going to remember who this guy was. We're gonna, by the end of the show, we're going to Google it at a break, if that's all right with you. Who else I, I does wanna, it? I want to tell you who else does it. But first, I want to say this. So at a break, hopefully, if you don't mind, I'd love to find out who it is. Then they're going to watch it. And they're going to know exactly what I mean. They're going to go, yeah, that's rude. You don't, you're talking, you're not telling a murder mystery novel. You're talking to yeah. people who just lost their parents. You can't do it in that voice. This is not dinner I, theater. I can't believe a producer never went, hey, someone tell John that that's, it's just rude. It's disrespectful. It's creepy. It's scary. But what you just reminded me of is, is? the guy who did To Catch a Predator. Oh. Yeah. Someone's got to tell him. Someone's got to go. You know, I say it amongst comedians. Like, if you have close friends... Your close friends can tell you, like, you know, don't do that or don't do this. Don't be a parody of yourself. Or don't, someone, what's his name from To Catch a Predator? His name is... Uh, um, Chris Hansen. Chris Hansen. Do what you just do with your voice again, because that sounded just what he does. It's like enjoying the rhythm of your voice. We, we, he thinks it's a 13-year-old girl, but it's actually Agent Tom Simpson. <laughs> of the Palm Springs Police Department. Two, three, In a delightful four. little number, he got... From Forever 21. <laughs> I remember... Wait a minute. Have you seen To Catch a Predator before? Y- yeah, I have. I, I don't think they dress somebody up in a Forever 21. No, no, you said, you, said, you said what they really think is a... What, they, what he really thinks is a 13-year-old that's Agent Tom Simpson. In the delightful little number. Yeah. One, it's usually, two, I mean, it's usually I think four. you're misunderstanding what's happening on the show. They don't trick the predators by dressing a male police officer up like that's a what you said. That girl. was I was commenting on. No, I think on you're your... suggesting that they 
dress them up in a mini skirt, for example. Yeah, yes, that is. I'm wrong. I was wrong. That's what it seems like. <laughs> yeah, you got it. It seems to me like you're suggesting. You nabbed me. You nabbed me just like Chris Hansen <laughs> nails those molesters. <laughs> Only your crime was far worse. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when that show first. <laughs> oh. Todd looks at his watch. <laughs> no, 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 no. I... Todd's like, oh boy, these guys with their to catch a predators. No, no, you know why I looked at my hand? Somebody the other day goes, your veins on your hand look like they stick out over here. And, I, and then I just got paranoid because I looked down at my vein and it was sort of sticking out. And I, I sort of flexed my hand. No, That's not... what they're doing now on To Catch a Predator. I can see why you get self-conscious. It used to be all kitty, kitty, uh, you know, child predator types. Now they're just looking for people whose veins pop out on their hand. When that first run, when that, Grandma. When that show first came on, I remember I didn't know how to articulate what I was trying to say, and I was afraid if I said it, it would sound creepy and. As the show went on, I think I wasn't the only one that felt it. I remember feeling it in day one was, number one, anything, anytime, obviously, you can get a predator off the street. It's always good. So what could be your problem with the way they're doing it? How could you have a predator? They're getting, they're, and there was. I knew early on, and then it got worse and worse, that he was creepy. And it made you, <laughs> how creepy do you have to be? How creepy does your segment have to be? And how creepy does it have to be for you to, in a morbid way, feel bad for the person they're catching? You know, I think you've the... got to be pretty creepy because they're getting a disgusting, or at least a person that needs help off the streets. So you've got to be so fucking creepy. And they were. They got creepier and creepier, the questions they would ask. Just get them off the street. Your job's done. Don't go, what would you have done if I wasn't here? What do you think? You just want to hear the morbid retell yeah. of what this person was going to do? You want to drop your pants and masturbate to it? There's this. <laughs> there's this. In regards to your question, yes. Uh, number two, though, there's this. Uh, there's this British uh, TV show called Brass Eye. That's a parody of like a hard copy type TV show. They had a pedophilia episode um, where it was. They were doing a story about how Britain had decided to take pedophiles. And put them in a rocket ship and fire them into orbit so they wouldn't be close to children, <laughs> and so they couldn't so they couldn't molest any children because if you put them in jail, a child might go into the jail and the jail might be near a school. So they want to put the child molesters, uh, all the pedos, go into uh, uh, orbital spacecraft and they rocket them into space. And they're reporting on this story through the course of the episode. And about two-thirds of the way through, they have breaking news that someone accidentally put a child in the orbital spacecraft with the pedophile. And that's what I feel like To Catch a Predator has... At this point, that's basically what it is. We're basically putting pedophiles into a rocket ship and sending it to the moon live on television. Yeah, like, it's, it's, there's a point where it's sort of like, okay, okay, yeah, okay. Fine. It's, I agree that there that it's one of the worst things that a human being could ever do. Yeah, I'm on board with that. I'm not sure I'm comfortable watching it as a television show. Well, if they would ease pull back even a little bit, if you can make money and that helps the cause too. And but my friend that's a cop explained it to me pretty well. He goes, I was talking to him about it one night, not thinking he would have any answer. I just do ride-alongs with him, and he's a police officer. We started talking about that Which show. Is just for general interest? Why were um, you riding along with I, him? I, he's a friend of mine, but it's he. I I wanted. I heard that ride-alongs were possible like years and years and years ago, and I 
there was a cop in my audience. One, you know, I said, are there any cops here? And, you know, someone goes, over here. They never yell out. It's always a friend of theirs or the something. The cop just shoots his gun in the air. Yeah. <laughs> so he, uh, he said I could do a ride-along with him after the show. And, uh, and then I did it. But going back to, so we were talking one night about the, about the Take Hatch a Predator. He goes, no, no, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. He goes, there's cops that we work with. He goes, not every cop on the force I respect, obviously. And there's some cops, he goes, if I'm arresting someone... I just do what I have to do. He goes, uh, sometimes I get angry, but I don't love it. If they're being nice, if the person I'm arresting is being just following me, I don't get off on it. He goes, for a few reasons. One, they live in, if they ever see me with my children out, they're going to remember the way they were treated. They're going to, he put me in jail, but he didn't mock me. He didn't, you know, at the low time of my life. So he goes, and some of those cops, he goes, they do. He goes, it's like they get off on the, on the, on the catch. And they, get, and they think because they're catching someone that's guilty, they can't be any seedier than the person they're catching. They, and, and there comes a point when a cop, he goes, what we call in the business, can get grosser than the person they're arresting because they're liking it too much. And that's how I feel about Chris Hansen, whether it's because he's trying to do a show. It's like, all right, don't. What, that, that one question, what were you going to do if I wasn't here? He doesn't have one friend in journalism that can go, you know what? You don't need to ask that. What if they started telling you? Are we yeah, going to play you, it? Maybe you don't need to read aloud the transcript of the filthy things they were uh, chatting. I feel uh, like that's... Uh... You may pretend you're trying to do journalism. I get it. I get it. I, you know, they have to make a living. And they, but just at least may pretend that you're trying to keep it as, you know, what were you going to do? Once I'd like to see someone say it. Well, I was going to pull her... You know, I can't even say it jokingly. It's so... You know, not needed to, uh, you know. He, I wonder if he'd have an answer for that. That's what I always wonder. Oh, him. God, I bet he would have a thousand answers for it. I bet that guy has answers for every... I bet that guy can tell you about every fucking thing he's ever done. You know what I mean? I can tell you the answer he'd have, and I could already disprove it. And I bet I'm pretty right. You might go, really? You're going to guess his answer and then defend... <laughs> Wait a minute. Todd, are you telling me that you're going to, number one... Guess what answer he would give you. And yes. then offer a rebuttal? Yes. You ready? He's going to say <laughs> it would imba- – so for the, for the person out there that's thinking about this, the, 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 that it would embarrass them to know this is what you're going to go through if you happen to get caught, if you happen to get caught in a sting. And it's going to make someone think twice to do it. Well, the fact that most of your people <laughs> that have gotten caught on that show have seen your show on TV proves – it's not working. <laughs> if you have that, if you have that in you, and you have that sickness in you, if, if seeing it on TV, how many people do they interview and they'll go, "Yeah, have you ever seen yeah, my show?" You know, and they'll and go, I "Yeah, we like, have." I feel like in, in in the last one I watched, there was even a little like goof reel at the end of people going like, "Oh my God, am I on?" <laughs> And, and and the music wasn't wacky, but it was a little That's wackier funny. than the normal music. And to be fair, they were doing voices over the footage. That's, there was yeah. two guys Bob, doing... Bob Saget was doing everyone's yeah. voice. Oh, that's hilarious. They're showing... And I know you're being half serious, because I think I know what you mean. They show some of the outtakes of... of uh, not a blooper reel, but that's hilarious. <laughs> like like the... him pointing to the cameras and going, Oh, my God! Right. Just yeah. think of how much better that show would be if instead of Chris Hansen, the host was Jackie Chan. Just think of how great just, that, that reel just, at the end would just be. just kick them in the face. <laughs> yeah, and, and then at the end you'd get some, some hilarious outtakes, some really yeah. great outtakes, like a good Jackie Chan movie, right? I think. Basically. Yeah. Jackie Chan some and Chris kicks. Tucker made such a good pair. Why not Jackie Chan and Chris Hansen? You know, can I, can I ask you guys a question? This is a serious question, because I feel like I've been getting some shit about this. Um, and it's obviously, it's not something that comes up a lot, but um, I, I feel like any time it comes up, I get shit about it. Sure. Um, this is the movie Shanghai Noon and its sequel, Shanghai Nights. <laughs> Did either of you guys see these movies? 
I, uh, you know, I think I have one on. Okay. In like a hotel room while because I was changing clothes once. <laughs> I went to see Shanghai Noon with my mom. Uh, back in San Francisco, I went to see Shanghai Noon with my mom. How many years ago was this? When it came out. I mean, we're talking about, uh, I, I was maybe 19 or something this like that. This was not that, at a know. revival theater. No, no, no. Recently. I, no, this wasn't at one of those well, art revival, house theaters. Revival, cold classics. Yeah, well, you, well, I mean, you'll see. I mean, certainly there's those things, you know, Bergman, Shanghai Noon. Yeah. Um, but this was not in that context. This was in a first-run movie house, the Kabuki, I want to say, in San Francisco. And, um, and you know what? I fucking loved Shanghai Noon. I didn't just like it. I loved it. Number one, Jackie Chan is hilarious to me. I think he's really, really funny. Number two, I also think Owen Wilson is really funny. Number three, clearly all this movie is, is just they were like, hey, Owen Wilson, you're one of the funniest guys around. You're at the peak of your powers. Jackie Chan, you're a hilarious guy as well. And you can do all this amazing shit. Jackie, you come up with six five-minute stretches of amazing shit, and Owen Wilson, you just make jokes the rest of the time. Jackie Chan will make a funny face in response. That's like one of the best movies ever to me. I love this movie, and Shanghai Nights, I will admit. It was not as good as Shanghai Noon. Well, though, it Jesse, it not, seems to me, it seems to me that you've been, it seems to me that you've been carrying around the high standard of Shanghai this is a long Noon. Time. This is a, these are old movies. At this Jordan, point. it did not match the high standard of Shanghai Noon. What did you? When, when did you get shit for this? Was it? Was it? Was this like a traumatic situation? This for you? is something you're... that's been going on throughout my entire life. I feel like <laughs> since I feel you like, saw the movie. Well, yeah, but that's at this movies? point that movie's so old that that's the better part of my life. Are there other movies like that where you feel like you know like whenever i see a good movie that i love i want my friends that i respect their opinions. right do you feel like that a lot you're like you don't want to admit it and you want finally i know how you feel you're like you know what i liked it i don't want to lie anymore well, but you've been making the... yourself lie i don't mean you meaning here's you, the I mean... thing here's the thing todd usually i'm the asshole like there's no doubt about this i'm usually the one i usually you know nine times out of ten i just hate a stupid movie like, I'm not the kind of guy who can just go to a movie, a stupid movie, and, like, turn my brain off and just enjoy it. Like, mostly I don't, I just don't like them. And so when people are like, that's one of my favorite bad movies, or, like, that's my favorite dumb movie, like, I'm just like, oh, I don't know, I just thought it was dumb. But uh, in this case, the tables have been turned. <laughs> the tables, so all these times that people talk, that gave me shit about not really liking Top Gun or something like that. Like this is this is this is me getting my comeuppance because I sincerely love this shit out of Shanghai Noon. Give me give me some of your movies if you don't mind that uh, did really well that you're like oh, I feel bad but I didn't like it. Almost any movie that did really well. So the fact that you liked the uh, the fact that you liked uh, role models as much as I did is amazing. No, I think I think if you're if you're talking about re- I think we're lucky right now. And this is something I, I heard you and uh, you and Pat. Jimmy Dort and Pat Oswalt talking about on your podcast comedy and everything else. I agree completely that we're living in a golden age of film comedy. I think we're really lucky to be to have a lot of movies coming out that are actually sincerely watchable. If you compare it to when I was in high school, uh, you know, ten or twelve years ago, um, and the kind of terrible Adam Sandler movies and stuff, and like that, the best you could hope for was maybe like. Uh, uh, what's that movie with Chris Farley and uh, David Spade? Uh, Tommy Boy. Tommy Boy. Like, Tommy Boy's fine. Like, Tommy Boy's a funny movie and everything. I'm not saying anything bad about Tommy Boy. But that was the that was the good choice, hmm. you know, in terms well, of film comedy 12 or 15 years ago. Yeah, we, and today we can see something like The 40-Year-Old Virgin 
The 40-Year-Old Virgin, that's a pretty fucking solid movie. It's hilarious from start to finish. Maybe a little bit weirdly paced. That's the worst thing you could say about that kind of movie. You know what I mean? No, I, we, we were just talking about that off the air, too, is saying that, uh, you know, there were movies... There's two types of sense of humor I feel that I have. One is, you know, there were some... Like, oh, hey, I back when I was little, uh, Caddyshack and movies like that. And then I had a different sense of humor. Even back then when I was 16 and 17, me and my friends, you have that extra silly sense of humor that's just amongst you and your friends. But that's not going to be in a movie. You know, you just <laughs> see... It, it doesn't mean every movie's going to suck because there were great movies. But then you have this extra twisted sense of humor just for you and your friends. And that, that, that's not a movie. That's you and your friends, little twisted sense of humor. Now all of a sudden you get to see that in a movie. And I think it's probably because production values are cheaper and people, you know, I don't know, maybe get to make some movies that... I'm but, just um, excited. I just think of how much more funny I find, say... And look, Will Ferrell's made terrible movies. But how much more funny do I think Will Ferrell is than Jim Carrey? For me, for my taste in, in humor. Infinitely. Yeah, like... I, 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 feel like, I feel like Will Ferrell is getting a lot of shit lately. And, and granted, he's, he, he's done some bullshit. Yeah. But like, but like and, I, and you know, here's but the But how about the, this? Let's just start with the fact he's actually funny, which is like 10 trillion. Talented, yeah. That's like 10 trillion steps ahead of, of, of fucking Jim Carrey. And I'm not, you know, I'm sure Jim Carrey's a nice guy and everything. And if you like Jim Carrey movies, that's fine for you. No, no, we always feel bad. But, <laughs> you know, for me, like, I can't, I can't bear Jim Carrey. Like, nah, he's awful. I thought Jim Carrey was a little bit much when I was 10 years old. <laughs> what was know? his best? Was there a movie you went that was his best movie? I or? kind of, you know, I kind of like The Cable Guy. Because I felt like it, it um, I, I was, it's been a long time since I've seen The Cable Guy, so I can't, I don't remember it well enough to get really into it. But I felt like it captured, like, the, to me, the defining characteristic of Jim Carrey is his desperate neediness. And so I thought it captured that quality about him very well. And it was funny. I had a lot of kind of funny peripheral stuff. I remember Janine Garofalo was funny in it, and I've been a scene, and, you know, I, I thought yeah. Ben Stiller was really cool at the time. Anyway, Jordan, what were you saying? I'm sorry, I cut you oh, off. Oh no, you know, I, I feel like the 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 thing that Will Ferrell and and like and Jack Black gets is like they're just doing the same thing over and over again. Well, that's actors. Yeah. <laughs> like what name? Okay, can we as a group name well, a few actors who do drastically different? Yeah, things well, you're in right. There's movie. always there's always going to be someone that can list a few, but you're talking about the norm, and that's funny yeah, you say like, that because we talked about that. A lot of times, me and my friends say that you cannot like something, but the reason you don't like it is wrong. Yeah, and I, yeah. I'll tell you, I caught myself doing it, and I, and I thought it must not be what I'm guessing. So in other words, you can, you, no one can argue whether you like something or not, but sometimes, almost scientifically, you can prove that that person's wrong in their guess. I'm not... All I'm you have to do, here's, what, here's the process you have to go through. Number one. You ask you ask them a question. Number two, you anticipate what their response to that question, <laughs> and was. you offer a rebuttal. I exactly. bet I was pretty close. But but back to that thing about like when we say we, we don't like you're saying oh I don't like it. it's the same thing over and over again. Well, I said that about Robin Williams, and then someone I use my own logic against myself. I go, oh, it's just you know, and not, and not that Robin Williams will ever hear this or not, but uh, I actually do like him in a lot of his movies. And uh, someone said, what if he came into a room when you were there? Would you get nervous? I go, yeah, he's still a legend. And he's, you know, but his stand-up, sometimes it's like enough already. I can't see him go on The Tonight Show. And I said, it's that same thing. And I went, you know what, though? Maybe that's not true because maybe it's that same thing that he does. Because I could listen to Brian Regan 
for the next 30 years do the Brian Regan because I love that what he does. So maybe if it you understand so well, I thought I, did, I I thought I just said I didn't like it. it's that same thing. Well, but I agree. Just, does that make do am I making myself I don't want to sound I'm, like no, absolutely. And you know, frankly, like it to me it it extends completely to actors. Like I have no interest in someone I don't think that the defining characteristic of an actor in a film is how much they transformed themselves. I think that is a really bullshit sure. standard. Let's see. Who does that? Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Who else? Well, Maybe, you think it's arguably, him? Daniel Day-Lewis, but he has to sure. move to Italy and work as a cobbler for three years <laughs> right. to do it. Do you think when it's, when it's too much of the same thing, like... Maybe when it's the same plot and the same actor, like yeah, tr- no, I think that's fair. I mean, sure, I think sure. that's why that's how Will Ferrell got himself into trouble. I think you know he did four underdog sports comedies where yeah. he was playing a, the same kind boastful, of Will Ferrell yeah. guy, and you know that's you know not yeah. unreasonable. And some of them were worse than others. Try to try to mix it up a little, but it's not the performer's fault that they're really successful, and so people want him to do a lot of movies. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you don't know where... I, hey, I'm, I always err. Not that I'm not very critical, but when it comes to uh, that type of thing, I, I'm always like, you know, I'm like, and they don't know where their career is going to be and the movies are coming in and, you know, they don't know when it's going to stop and you just try to do the best job you can. I'm actually only critical when they go four years or three years and, and, and nothing is good. If they do two movies I'm not crazy about and then you see another one, you're like, oh, that was great. I'm like, okay, that's, that's okay with me. You know, I'll, uh, you know, you know. Speaking of like when people think, well, how long can that character go? I would, speaking of role models again, um, I'm embarrassed. I'm forgetting his Ken name. Ken Marino. No, the other. Uh, oh, uh, David Wayne, who directed it. No, the it. star. The star. Uh, the two, Paul, Paul, Paul Rudd. Rudd. Paul Rudd and mm, Sean William Stifler. Scott. Sean William Scott. I don't think people thought that character had a life, and I think it has a huge life as long as it's always honest to who that character is. We're talking about Sean William Scott. Sean William Scott. I I loved. They seeing him as like in that, that's what he'll yeah. be like when he's thirty and forty. And I, I, I think if you would have guessed, like, oh, well, it's it's Stifler. It's gonna, you know, it's gonna. It's I especially that's a, that a great example. I feel like that is that guy is still doing the same thing but that he was, but, but he brilliant. was doing it in a good, well directed, well written. Yeah, movie. They, where they and found a great. lot of where they found a lot of nice notes and resonances, yeah. you know, in there about what's what's actually enjoyable about that. Sure. And I think he'll do more. I think, and I give him credit too. I don't think he just happens to have this character that I think he made probably some smart tweaking. Like, okay, it's still that guy, but we can do this a little different. And you know, I think, uh, but I, but yeah, I, I love that character. I would, we would freeze that movie to watch Paul Rudd look bored. We would literally <laughs> go, oh, did you just see the way he was sitting there bored? And then we'd push it back, and I go, yeah. And then who did you just interview on? Uh, what was his name? We were talking uh, about Ken Marino. Ken Marino, same thing. We would watch the way he evaded people's space. He's, in the he movie. was amazing in that oh. movie, wasn't he? And I just walked. Is it? Let me ask you this question about this. About this is specifically with re, with regard to Paul Rudd and Mr. Ken Marino. It's a little annoying that they're so handsome, right? Because they're not God supposed to be that damn. funny when they're that I handsome. Know. God, those are handsome men. Well, they say that for for women, I've always heard. I never looked at it. Probably works for both sexes. When, it, when, it, when you meet a girl... And Let's you go think, ahead and throw Dimitri Martin in there. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. When you meet a girl that's really funny, like really funny and also really hot, that she might not have been hot while she was developing a sense of humor in her earlier years. Now, I'm sure there's exceptions, but I, you always wonder, okay, let's see what those guys looked like when they were 14, 15, 16, 17. Maybe they weren't, and then because they developed a sense of humor. Because when you're good-looking at those ages, you're not forced to develop a sense of humor. But there's always freaks of nature. But I know what you mean, like... 
you think like they're 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 good you looking. Mean, we met we Ken Marino was just in here to be uh, to be interviewed about the state for the Sound of Young America, and you had met him last night, and you made some passing remark about how handsome he was. This is a handsome man on film, certainly, but you meet that guy, you're like shit. This is a handsome dude. Yeah. Like this is a handsome dude. I saw him last night as we talked about last night the, at the at, premiere of Funny People, and, and then just in the hallway leaving here. And I don't know. I mean, I like that movie so much that maybe it's a good thing I didn't. You know, <laughs> you didn't recognize him recognize immediately him in the hallway because I think I would have been like gotten a hairy boner. I would have been like, oh my god, I, and I would have been like a little much. The only- maybe what they do in the extends commercials is they bring, they have hire Ken Marino, go around, shake hands, meet somebody, and then they swing in real quick with the uh, with the camera crew and ask them about what it was like to meet Ken Marino. Oh, and then they just wrote, they do voiceover exactly. for the extends, and then they questions. loop in the extends question, <laughs> right? Don't you think that's what's going on? It could be. Imagine if they do something that. He adds extra stamina to my male region. <laughs> okay, we got a lot uh, more stuff to talk about. We're lucky to have the great Todd Glass here. His podcast is comedy and everything else. He's got a new comedy CD. We'll talk about and everything. Jordan Morris, myself, Jesse Thorne. We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. <laughs> It's Jordan Jesse Go. I am Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. I'm Jordan Morris, boy detective. With us, T1. Todd Glass, the great Todd Glass. Uh, your new CD is called Skinny Pig. Thin Pig. Thin Pig. <laughs> I almost thought you were right. <laughs> <laughs> almost tucked you into it. Yes. It's the, it's the dulcet tones of my voice and the miscellaneous changes. In pitch and rhythm. <laughs> For you said no it perfectly the first discernible time. Reason. Right. Thin Pig is the name of Todd Glass's new CD. Todd Glass, of course, besides being a hilarious podcaster, Jordan, you don't know about Todd Glass. So I'm just going no, no, to explain to you let me about know. it for a minute. Besides I basically being... only know him as the guy who does the funny nonsense Rodney Dangerfield impression. Sure. Well, I mean, Todd Glass, certainly you can look to his, uh, you can look to his uh, uh, podcast, comedy and everything else. Very funny podcast with the, also the similarly hilarious Jimmy Dore. Um, where they talk about comedy and then they talk about politics. And Stephanie. Um, and uh, and Stephanie, uh, also a co-host on the show. Who, I don't try to say her last name because... Who is Stephanie, by the way? I've only listened to a couple of episodes. so yes. And I had known it as you and Jimmy Dore's podcast yeah. going in. So I was like, oh, there's a lady who yeah. says something once in a while. She, as, as, the, as the shows go on, it's, it's, it's more than that. But um, uh, Steph is Jimmy's uh, girlfriend. Oh, I met her. Then, yeah. then I met her. I yeah. met I met her on an airport shuttle. Jimmy Dore in- introduced himself to me on an airport shuttle. I was like, "Oh, yeah, you're Jimmy Dore. Oh, great, awesome. It was fantastic." But anyway, you might know him that way, Jordan. Certainly, lots of thousands sure. of people across America know Todd Glass because of his hilarious podcast. But probably even more people know him as one of the best in the business of stand-up comedy. Thank no you. doubt about that, Jordan. No. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> I was not. Offering a doubt. Jordan, why are you doubting? Why are you? Can you hand me that water? <sighs> yes, I'm, uh, yeah, I I love that you would go, well, I don't know if that's true. Well, that's very sweet of you, and um, I, 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 I appreciate that. One of the best in the business. Okay, uh, on last week's Jordan, Jesse, Go, and by last week's Jordan, Jesse, Go, I mean the Jordan, Jesse, Go that we did roughly two and a half weeks ago. Yeah. Um, we had an action item. The action item was what things have been ruined for you by their fans. I talked about going to a baseball game at Fenway Park and just being spectacularly annoyed by uh, Boston Red Sox fans, which I did not expect at all. 
Um, Jordan, what were you talking about? Uh, I think we, we both agreed that the Big Lebowski, fans of the Big yeah, Lebowski, the Big can Lebowski. get real obnoxious. It's going to be a bit much. For me, the band Cake I was say this kind is of someone, ruined when I went to a concert. I say this is someone with a Big Lebowski bumper sticker over here, uh, uh, you know, the, but... It's it can get to be a bit much. Sure. It can get to so we anyway we 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 made that an action item. Uh, we got a couple calls. I haven't heard him yet. John the intern uh, screened him. Thanks Ooh. to John. Hey George Jessica, this is JD in South Carolina. First time caller, calling in about the action item about things that have been ruined by the fans. The quintessential thing to me that meets this action item is the complete works of Joss Whedon. Firefly, Serenity, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and whatever this dollhouse thing is. They all have this fan base that's, like, overly enthusiastic to the point of being really annoying. Anyway, love the show. Thanks. Joss Whedon stuff. Yeah, good Joss, example. That's a great... You know, yeah. Joss Whedon is a creator of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and so on. I, um, I, re- I liked Firefly a lot. I feel like I lose a yeah. lot of geek cred for not liking Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Cannot bear it. Unbearably to watch to me. I, you know, I, I, I feel like the Buffy contingent is... is it, it, there was a cutoff. Like, I feel like it's not it's not getting any bigger. Do you think, I feel like it's it's that's a stalemate at this point. Do you think you owe it to the whatever it is that the fans are doing that to you to get over it and say... Oh, by the way, I'm not saying it because it's what I do, because I have one, too, that I'm interested to hear what you think about mine. You think, oh, it's like, all right, well, the fans are annoying, but I'm not going to punish the artist. Because <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you who mine, and mine's a really weird one, because since I was a little kid, when Elvis died, Elvis, 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 and it was like, oh, shut up already. And then for about, for some reason, whatever so it is. So when you say, when you, you, you speak, you were so moved that you decided to talk in Rodney Dangerfield voice. <laughs> oh, <laughs> shut up already. Oh, shut up already, dear. Um... But then when I finally, for whatever reason, five years ago, I started listening to some Elvis and seeing some old Elvis live, and I went, oh my god, this guy really could perform. You can I'm, see why he was the king of rock he, and roll. Yeah, I can see why people, but but then the fans were so over the top. Am I in the right area? Is that, is oh, my, absolutely. Yeah, so, you're, right sure, in the, but, you're right in the wheelhouse. So, so I thought, you know, the fans, I just wrote him off because of the fans. Like, oh, but then um, now I am sort of enjoy watching, because I'm in the, I love performance, you know, like, meaning, like, large. I just love the whole... Ever since I was little and I worked at this place called the Valley Forge Music Fair and watching the open... Like, the show itself is one thing, but I love the opening of a show. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. And watching that Elvis and the music and the lights and the... Oh, it's just great. So I'm sort of letting... I, passing by with the fans are so over the top, but still enjoying the performance. I just watched this documentary, Soul Power. This is not on the subject of things ruined by their fans, Sorry, but rather I, intros to music concerts. I just watched this documentary, Soul Power, which is fantastic. It's in theaters, I think, right now, depending on where you live. So great. And uh, the headliner of this huge show in Zaire is James Brown. And it's sort of like, uh, frankly, it's a little bit past James Brown's artistic peak. It's like, I think, in 1974. And I would say, you know, you're looking at 71 of, as his artistic peak. But he's at the peak of his commercial power. Like, he's, he's had, he has all his hits behind him, with the exception of Living in America, and but he hasn't not had a hit in a long time in 1974. Like he's still at the top of his game. So this is like the show that you would want to see. He's got this great mustache. But the best part about it is James Brown traveled with an announcer. James Brown had an announcer in his retinue 
like he had this huge band and everything, he also had a guy whose job it was exclusively, hmm. his whole job in life, his it. job was to just go on and say, ladies and gentlemen, the amazing Mr. Please Please himself, you know him from his hits such as Popcorn, Try Me, you know, <laughs> Miss, you know the hardest working man in show business, soul brother number one, Mr. James Brown, you know, and it's like, man, I, it really made me want to have uh, to either be that guy or have that guy. I frankly, I don't need to have that guy if I can be that guy. Like, I'm Where, willing okay, to where's just... the, Okay, so you want to be this guy. What's the cutoff of artists that you'll do that for? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's let's just let's just start. Let's work our way down. Of course, you'd love to do it for James Brown. Celine sure, Dion. the yeah, late James do, Brown. Yeah, I mean, if someone, there's Celine no Dion. doubt that if if someone brought James Brown back to life, I would be willing to do it on his behalf because I'm you know I'm thoughtful of the reanimated. <laughs> um, God, would I do it for Celine Dion if I lived? You know, Celine Dion just plays in Vegas now, I yeah, think. Yeah. I don't think she tours. I don't know if I would tour. I am I think I would go on, if I was well-paid, which I think I would be, mm-hmm. frankly. Let's be honest. I would be pretty well-paid because I'd be pretty great at this. Um, number one, I would go on at least a tour with Celine Dion if it was like three months. A three-month tour? Like take three months off from The Sound of Young America, just go into reruns. Um, I get a good-paying job doing... Celine Dion, I'm touring Europe, I'm staying in nice hotels, and I'm introducing Celine Dion. Yeah, I'm on board for that. Now, if you're asking me would I go for indefinite tour with Celine Dion, probably not. (laughs) Uh, However, if I lived in the same place where Celine Dion was in residency, if I lived in Las Vegas, Celine Dion's doing her shows in Las Vegas, and my job was to go down to the Luxor you know, yeah, no, no, I, actually, every I think, night. I think in this scenario that I want to present, where we but what see I'm what saying you're talking about, you're with them all the time. Down yeah, to no, the this Luxor. is like the guy who went to Zaire with James Brown. Like okay. you're going, yeah, you're with. Them. No, you're part of the entourage. You're part of the band. And well, this is, I have okay, this artistically this fulfilling minimum. career as the host of The Sound of Young America and Jordan Jesse Go. I I love doing what I'm doing, but I would definitely do it for at least a while. There's no doubt about it. Now, I think if it was in one place. That would be amazing. That would be like, you know, if, if you hear uh, Jimmy Pardo talk about on his podcast how he feels about his his gig as the warm-up guy on uh, The Tonight Show. How is he? Best in the business. He loves it. He fucking loves it. Because it pays great, but he's the best. it's the best operation in the business. It's not like he's working for a second-class operation. And he's also probably re- respected for... Yeah, the know. people think he's funny. They hired him because they think he's funny, because he is. And, you know, it's like the place, it's the right It's the right setup. You know what I mean? And I feel like if I'm doing Celine Dion in Vegas, that's a, that's a really solid setup for me. Okay, uh, you're touring to college towns with okay. Sandra Bernhardt. <laughs> <laughs> Do you introduce Sandra Bernhardt with that same verb? Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and well, welcome. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> welcome, miss. Was on Roseanne for a while. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the doyen of 1970s downtown New York comedy culture. You think it's only the you. The caddy, Miss Sandra Bernhardt. You think it's only you? That's so funny to hear you that that you heard that. Because I think when I hear that, like, I know other people enjoy music. I know other people. There's other things that I like that I get. I'm not the only one. But then there's some things you're like, when you say the announcement and you heard that voice. Like, I thought that would only be something I would. Because <laughs> I remember the announcement... 
when I when I when I was probably like 19 and opened up for Patti LaBelle, and to this day, like, good uh, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Minskoff Theater. At this time, if you please, uh, at this time, please, we'd like to announce you no flash photography during or recording equipment during this evening's show. You know Please what? kindly watch your step as you enter and leave the wait, theater. Wait, this is something. This is this is a topic close to my heart because I did the Sound of Young America last year at the Bumbershoot Music and Arts Festival in Seattle, Washington. Amazing, just wonderful people, just a great thing. You probably done Bumbershoot at some point, One right? time, yes. Yeah, it's it's great. Seattle's wonderful. It's an amazing festival. It's, it was a lot of fun. Um, and I got in there, and they were about to record the uh, a pre-show announcement. They had a special pre-show announcement. The show's brought to you by Sprint. You know, please silence your cell phones, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They were about to record that, and I was like, hey, I have a question. And I, you don't have to say yes to this at all, but I'm a professional radio host. That's what I do in my day-to-day life, and I've done a little bit of voiceover here and there. And it's my dream to be the voice of a venue. So would it be possible for me to record that right now? And they said I could. And so I was the voice. And so I was the voice of the theater where we did the thing. And you know, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Bumbershoot 2009. Please silence your cell phones. This evening's entertainment is provided to you by Sprint. You know, and God, it was felt great. I was it was I, so fun. That's hilarious. I didn't I, get paid or anything, and no. they were happy to let me. Like if they had, had if they had wanted to do it, they didn't want to. Well, do you it. set the tone. Like when I'm at the improvs, like they used to do the old loud, like eh, 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 good evening, and I go that that announcement sets the tone of the evening. I don't care what club you're in; it can it can up the whole classiness of it. Because I like to do without music, and when I'm at the improvs, I go, Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the improv. You'll notice tonight your waitstaff will be whispering when taking your order. We ask you to do the same because there is a live show going on. We do have a zero tolerance for heckling, and we feel it's necessary to let you know that. (laughs) And I just love making that opening announcement because you feel the crowd like, you know, just going, okay, this is... I don't care if you're in a jazz club in New York City where there's 40 people. When, I, when I've gone there, I've noticed it. The ones that know how to run it, it could be 40 people. The house goes dark. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome. And then, I'll, you know, the lights come on, and it's got to be like an event. And that voice, you're right, I love that that voice. Okay, of, let, let's, get anyway, back to, sorry. let's get back to I these apologize. telephone calls. Things ruined by their fans. Hey, Jordan Jesse. I just thought of a candidate for the... Uh, things that are ruined by their fans. Um, I would guess my the big one for me would be Adam Carolla, just because you know. I mean, I, I hadn't even considered him a thing I might be interested in until he started podcasting because of his fans. And then now he'll have like guests like Jimmy Pardo or Doug Benson or just that Mike Liam Black, and the, the, I just like drift on over to his comment section of his site and it's just people calling, you know, really funny people pussies and, and asking what, uh, when I'll have the car guy back on. So <laughs> That's a really good one. That is well, a good one because here's, yeah. I, you know, there's been this really lively debate about Adam Carolla on the message board. Discussion, I would say. I feel like people are really good on our message board about not being jerks about uh, discussing things. But I, I've been listening to Adam Carolla's podcast as well. I had never spent a lot of time with it. Like I know Jordan, I bet I bet you were a big Loveline listener when when yeah, he was on yeah, Loveline. Yeah, ab- yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, uh, Loveline. Uh, I, I I think everybody our age kind of knows what it is, but it it, it started in the on the L.A. Alterna Rock station K Rock, and it was Adam Carolla 
and a a, a then straight laced uh, Doctor Drew, and they would answer answer people's sex advice questions, and it was always this kind of naughty, you know, thing that came on at you know ten o'clock at night, and you would stay up and listen to in junior high, and you would giggle and try and figure out what they were talking about, and uh, uh, yes, yeah, totally a big part of my childhood was you know. Loveline. Whereas here I am, like I'm, I, I grew up in the Bay Area. I listened to uh, 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 Wild Wild 107 um, uh, and the the Wake Up Crew. Uh, I was listening to the Urban Music Station uh, to the extent that I was listening to music radio. It was never part of my world until he was on MTV. Until Loveline was on MTV, and I thought that was really funny. And then the Man Show came on Comedy Central. I did not care for the Man Show at all. Didn't they didn't think it was fun. I mean, they did something funny once in a while. I'm not saying they're not funny guys, but I didn't like the show. And um, and so like I wasn't sure what to think of Adam Carolla until I wa- and I didn't listen to his morning show because you know obviously I'm a public radio host, mostly listening to public radio in the morning. You don't commute either. No, no, I don't commute. And and I um, I watched his movie, The Hammer, um, maybe six months ago, and I just thought it was great. I really liked it. Like I thought it was really funny. Thought it was heartfelt. It was incredibly formulaic. I think that's the worst thing you could say of it. Like it really couldn't have been a more formulaic film. But um, like I thought, it, it got everything right. Like he was great. He was really funny. There was like parts where he just said stuff that was just really funny. It was clearly just him being really funny. And so I, when he started podcasting, I started listening to it. And he isn't. He's a really interesting thing because he's very funny guy. Super funny guy. Um, uh, weirdly racist in surprising ways. <laughs> He'll sort of catch you by surprise by saying See, something kind of racist. Know, I have to interject here because that is where I think we talk about this all the time with Stern that, you know, over the years Stern has had an intelligent audience and a dumb audience. And I think yeah. sometimes, and again, I am not saying this about Adam Krola because I'm nervous. Like, oh, what if he listens? I, I, I'm like you. Not just a half-baked compliment to then insult him. I really like Adam Krola. Yeah, and, so do and, I. And a I lot really of times enjoy he, the re, show. he reminds me of how, sometimes I re-listen and he reminds me of how uh, how funny he is. He'll say something and I'll go, oh my God, he really like hit that, that from That is a, really, yeah, but you'll I, hear him say something and you'll be like, but, wow, yeah, that he, was and, really you know, funny. But, but you, you know do I mean? know where they get that double audience from. And I wonder if it's something... And again, I'm, I'm, I'm complimenting him, but I'm also not going to be honest with myself. If I know how Stern could have done away with his dumb audience. He let the audience not know where he stood on a lot of issues. And if he didn't, he would have gotten rid of a lot of people. And uh, with Corolla, what you just said, you're wondering, does he do the same thing? You know, one of the things that, one of the things that I think about in terms of Corolla is, I just go back to this, I did this week hosting a morning radio show once. On, when I was on, when I was in uh, college, I interned at XM, and there was nobody worked there. I did a week hosting a morning radio show, and like this, what we're doing here is not that hard for me. Like it's not that hard. Like I I could do a better job certainly, but it's not like it's a struggle for me to do this. Um, and and never was, and the sound of Young America always felt the same way. It was always. It was always pleasant. It was never a struggle. I definitely had to work hard to get better and everything, but it never felt like, oh, my God, what am I doing? But when I did that morning show, that was unbelievably difficult for me, unbelievably difficult. And what I think it and I think a lot of the things that people react negatively to about Corolla, who are people like me who are just fancy pants that just listen to morning edition and stuff are things that are sort of amped up and and bred in and reinforced by format 
And, um, you know, there's just a certain amount of having an opinion on everything you have to have. And the opinion has to be an immoderate opinion. Your opinion can't just be, well, there's two sides to every story. <laughs> because once there's two sides to every story, then there's no conflict. So there's no way to talk for three straight hours. Yeah. And, you know, and I, and I think, I mean, I, I've even, you know, just growing up and being a guy who wanted to do something comedy and showbiz related, like, you know, uh, the my ideas about what my options are as how to make a li- as to how to make a living in it have changed so drastically. It's like when I was you know in high school and I liked you know and I was obsessive about comedy and liked doing improv. I was thinking about what my options are, and it was like you know and and I you know I said, I'm like well maybe I could be the funny morning guy on the morning zoo crew, like you know, but now because there are you know. 800 cable channels and there's podcasting and the internet like you don't have to be a funny guy who squeezes into one of the funny guy packets you can you're a little bit more free to make your own thing i mean it's still an issue what am i going to do with myself but like and i yeah, also like i maybe... don't want to suggest that Corolla's is being insincere um because i don't think he is no, being he's insincere. probably actually a little racist <laughs> yeah um but you know like he's he's a pretty he feels like a pretty straight shooting guy it's just the, the it it highlights those parts right. uh, those things and i think it's part of why he's been successful as well so yeah. there's no reason for him yeah. to stop doing it but if you if you if you smell that the you know the racist thing and that and then you're going to sit here and you're going to be able to guess okay that's where you're because I know where your smart audience comes from. That's an easy one, They're, right? Because you're brilliant. You're smart and funny. Because you're smart sure. and funny. Right. You're brilliant. So it, you, we're, we're not, but we're not paying him any respects to sit here and think we're being uh, insulting him. But we're, we're just—he's smart, and he's—if he ever heard this, he's not going to. We're not. He's not going to believe bullshit. So it, if you're if you're a little racist, doesn't mean you're the most racist person in the world. Well, that's where your dumb audience is coming from. Yeah. You know that that's and and that's okay because that's and the it's audience. It's really true because like when somebody the, this caller this caller called in to say that he visited the uh, comments on Corolla's website. Yeah, don't do that. One time one time I looked his uh, uh, I think it was uh, the first show that Jimmy the Jimmy Pardo was on and you know I I, I love Jimmy Pardo the, the best, you know, a wonderful podcaster and everything. He was hilarious on Corolla's show, didn't know Corolla at all going in. And um, it was great. Basically and basically it was just this huge list of people calling him a pussy or a faggot. Yeah, yeah. Like and you, and you know I think I think hundreds I think of that people. this the, that uh, if I ever did uh, interact with his fan base, if I went to Adam Corolla Con, my opinion of him would probably drop pretty drastically. But yeah, he's just kind of a guy who I experience alone in my car. And so you know what like, I, I don't, don't what did I... they defend? Did anybody at one point? Because I love when I'm on a morning show. It happens maybe once a year, thank God. Usually it doesn't. But somehow there's a call or you're talking about something and someone calls in with something negative. And I love when the radio host of the show is secure enough to go. No, get a cut him off. He's my guest today. Yeah. Instead of perpetuating it and having the caller go, get them all on because they know it makes good radio, and then you're going to get someone heated. I How think, did they deal with it on that show? Were they? I think Corolla. I, Corolla gets what's funny about Jimmy Pardo. I mean, what's not to get? You know, if you're you have to be a dope not to get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the Corolla was right on board. So I have good. no doubts about. I have no doubts about, and you know, fucking Corolla's not sweating it either. Yeah. That guy's got fucking five hundred thousand listeners to his podcast and, in a month or something. And the so. other thing, you know, as far as you know, we're we're sort of saying there's sometimes a reason where you get both audiences, but but I think we have to acknowledge sometimes there is no reason. Like I'll give you an example. Like if you watch, that's why I think you have to be careful—not careful, but me personally—not to make the person a victim 
of their audiences. In other words, I just wouldn't go to a live remote when I liked Howard Stern because I knew that's where all the dumb people showed up. Right. So, so you just don't go to a live remote. But and I'm sure talk, Conan O'Brien about Howard Stern because there's all these people who dismiss Howard Stern. And they can't believe like I'm not. I've never been a regular Stern listener, so I can't speak. You know. I'm not there, there's lots of people who are and they're going to outclass me in a second if I try and get in a disagreement with them but if some I sort say of something stern off. if I say You're talking something about some sort of hypothetical stern off sometimes I'll say something nice about Howard Stern cuz I think he's a great interviewer I think he does a lot of amazing I think he just is amazing on the air he's just so skilled and brilliant and people will be like what the fuck and then my usual go to is that um based on my experiences Ira Glass and Terry Gross are both regular uh, uh, Howard Stern listeners. They both love mm-hmm. Howard Stern. So if if they can love it, so, so well, can we. Like, it's fine. Well, that's, that's don't, a, don't worry about it so much. That's a really good point. It certainly eases you. And I, and I think when you say you like Howard Stern, what people don't realize is they think what you heard was, I like Howard Stern. I respect everything he does. I never have criticism. Right. No, I think even Howard Stern biggest fans, hey, I love my brother. But I have, and my brother loves me. But he goes, I wish Todd would not do that, and I wish Todd wouldn't do this. Of course, I feel that way about Stern over the years. Some things he has stopped doing, but I think, yeah, I mean, no one would deny, or if they wouldn't, if they would deny it, they're delusional. That you don't have to be a huge fan of maybe the content of what he talks about, but being able to talk about something serious to silly, and then not worry where it goes. Stern sort of made that. You know, the, he made that. That's okay. You know, so yeah, I'm not a huge. I'm not. I've been. I'm not huge fan of everything he does, but I same way. I respect a lot of uh, what he does. Let's go back to this uh, telephone calls here. Jordan Jesse, action item for the week. Uh, thing that's been ruined for you by its audience. My job. I work at Family Guy, and uh, <laughs> kind of fucking hate it. So oh. Thanks for doing the show. It's, it makes things easier. <laughs> that's a. Gr- that's a great one for reasons I can't even... So is he meaning the fans of Family Guy? Yeah, I think I didn't, so. At first I thought he meant the people that no, work. No, you know, and, that's, and that, that is actually a, a really, really oh. good example, I think. And, and, and Jesse and I <laughs> Jesse and I were in college and in the dorms, maybe more specifically, during the zenith of like Family Guy DVD mania. This was kind of like after it had gotten canceled and when everyone was buying the DVDs and kind of watching them. And, uh, you know, it just became the, you know, when people heard that, like, Jesse and I were into comedy, you know, it just for some reason started a Family Guy quote-off, you know, in the area and, like... And you know, I it didn't was, hate Family Guy then. That was at the beginning. Yeah. Like, I, when, when Family Guy was on TV, like, I, I thought it was okay. Like, I didn't think it was any great shakes or anything, but I thought it was, like, sort of like just another sort of second-rate version of The Simpsons that they had been putting on every, you know, once a year for 10 years. But, like, it, it had some funny stuff in it, you know? Like, it was it was not without having its own voice and being funny. But then, yeah, that changed. It changed everything. Yeah. and Because, we, of, the, because of the fans, you're saying? Yeah, and I think we, we oh. definitely, you know, like, it's, its audience is, was college kids, and it was, like, college kids buying the DVDs who brought it back. And I think we were just, like, in that, you know, in that cloud of, you know, loud drunks yelling family guy things and and, you know like since then i've really made my peace with it and i i definitely have said some nasty things about family guy in the past (laughs) and uh yeah you know it's it's you know it's lazy and it's the same thing a lot but like you know what like it honestly has some funny things in it and it's it's you know if if you watch one you'll have a couple good solid laughs and uh you know, th- there's some talent behind it, uh, and and I, I was 
definitely too hard on it. I mean, it still kind of sucks, but like, not not as bad as I as I had, you know, ranted about in my, you know, in my in in the heights of my comedy snobbery. It's not as bad as I had made it out to does be. Ki- does kind of suck though. You know, no, if, sure. If you like, <laughs> if you have a show like that, then you know, obviously you don't care. Like if I had a show on the TV and I didn't perform live. I wouldn't care if you're a fan of the show. I don't care if you're. I don't want to say anybody's dumb or smart. So what do you know? What I mean, all over the spectrum, people like me, people that I perceive to be dumb. I don't care. The thing about performing live, though, is you're going to have to meet these people. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what. When I op- uh, uh, about two years ago, and I opened- when you're a stand-up comic, you're not just you're meeting you're meeting people who are. You're meeting people who are your fans and are terrible. You're meeting people who just came to the comedy. Place. Well, let's say let's say that you, that's actually a really good point. But let's say it's just people coming to see you. Let's okay. say you're at that point in your career, which I'm not yet. I still have people come just to see me, and then exactly what you just said—they're just going to the comedy club that weekend to see a show. Bachelorette party. They, they don't necessarily know who. Yeah, right. Um, uh, luckily, though, thank God the A rooms are finally getting rid the, of the they, bachelorette party. They, they're pretty good at the A A A rooms. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't exist really anymore. But still some, you know, it's funny you have to say A-A-A. There's still some (laughs) A-rooms that do it. Meaning in everything else they get it. But anyway, back to real quick because you you were just saying about, oh, yeah, so when you perform live, you know, when I opened up for David Cross, I remember thinking this. If the price I have to pay to have a smart audience come out and see me, because I thought I watched his audiences every night. And with David Cross, at, it was at the Irvine Improv. It was about two years ago. There was no mixed audience. You, it was just all pretty intelligent people. Sure. And um, I thought, God, I'll wait the wait if this is the audience you get by putting out a product that's good. But like we're saying, sometimes the product's good and it just gets a double audience. And I always fantasize, if I had that problem, what would I do? And you go, just just say something to clear out those people. Like go go on Letterman and say <laughs> David you know, Cross has never been afraid to do that. No, and but he put it out an entire DVD of just him being mean to dumb people. So so I think most of the time when there is a double audience, you can figure out why. There's always exceptions. I would imagine Conan O'Brien, I'm like even if you don't like Conan, whoever you like late night. Let's say Letterman at his best. I'm a Letterman fan. I would imagine if you got twenty thousand of Letterman fans in the studio in a in a stadium, you, they, there'd be some dumb ones, or yeah. or you know what I mean? Like I'd like to believe not. I'm like how? Because I used to. Say, I'll give you an example, and I, it's an old example, but Kevin Meany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to think, come on, who dumb could love Kevin Meany? <laughs> like what? The, I, you know what I mean? And you know what? Maybe we're right because you go look at when he would perform, and man, there just seemed to be a lot of smart people in the audience. No. No double, no double audience. I think you can rid that double audience 99% of the time. There's always exceptions, but I believe if there's a double audience, you can find out why. But, you know, one of the it, big secrets of being a great success is it, it may be just making your peace with the fact that you may have dumb people that like you. Like, if you're, especially if you're in anything with the broad. Like, sure, here we, we can say that as podcasters. But if we're, you know, if we're even on Comedy Central, one of 60 channels on basic cable... Um, if you're if you're getting rid of half of your possible audience because they're too dumb, you're you're really fucking well, yourself. Let me ask you this though: like I even deal with it, and again, I'm not acting like I'm at the point of a Jim Carrey yet. Like, but we're we're you're pretty close though. No. You're nearly Jim Carrey. <laughs> with with. with Hold on. I mean, you're you're Chevy Chase around the vacation, the first vacation movie, I would say. I'm uh, 
I, I still... You've got a Chris Kattanishness uh, about you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I'll still go to say things on my podcast or on... if it's, Podcast is usually what happens and I'll go off the air and I'll go to Jimmy. I'll go, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that because then people won't come to the club. He goes... Do you care if you rid dumb people that you don't? What do you want coming to the club? You're always going to have an audience. Don't worry about it. And look, if it means I'll be able to draw, I'm not even kidding around. If it means I can draw uh, 700 in a city as opposed to 1,500, I'll go for drawing the 700. And I'm being honest. I don't want to draw 30 either. I, I want to have it. But I think if you're honest and you don't worry about it, you just say what you say and those people don't come to see you. And what are you stuck with if you just say what you say? A crowd that thinks what you think. I don't need to have like, you know, so that's what I try to do. Just go, well, with Jimmy's help sometimes, go and say what you think. You're good. You just ridded 50 people out. You don't need there anyway. Well, we got the uh, incredibly uh, integrity-full uh, Mr. Todd uh, T1 Glass here. <laughs> we got the delightful uh, uh, curly-headed Jordan Morris here. Uh, of course, myself, uh, wearing no CM socks. We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. It's Jordan Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's Radio Sweetheart. Jordan Morris, Boy Detective. I'm T1. T1, you just broke your pop filter. I, I know I didn't. I've been trying if to you fix just push it. it back in, I think it just pushes back in. Yeah, it's just not that apply easy. Apply a slight Jesse. amount of pressure. People on the live stream, we've been live streaming, by the way, yeah. uh, this week's show. This is fun. I like live streaming. And if you want to, if you want to catch the live stream, I announce it on my Twitter feed, which is Young American, and we 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 stream this live. Sometimes we'll we'll respond to the chat <laughs> during the. Todd is Making is playing faces. around for the camera by putting the pop screen in front of his face. Yes. Um, we're having a good time, right? So follow me, Young American, on Twitter, Jordan, Jordan underscore Morris, and we'll give you the heads up when we're streaming live. Um, we, had, uh, uh, we have a segment here on the show, Todd, um, called Momentous Occasions. When, when something truly amazing happens to someone, we ask them to give us a call and uh, let us know as it's happening um, it, or in the immediate aftermath. Now let's see. Let's see what uh, uh, John, the intern, and our delightful uh, callers came up with this week. Hi, Jordan, Jesse, Go. This is Reed in Nashville. Um, I'm calling with a sort of a momentous occasion. I have decided in the past, I don't know, few hours time, that I am only going to leave my home in nice clothes, no sneakers, no jeans, no t-shirts, and I'm going to see how long I can do that. And I thought that, Jesse, you might appreciate that because I have your enthusiasm for suits and such, but I'm also thinking it might just make me a dick, and I want to know what you guys think about that. All right, see ya. It's <laughs> I want to be clear. It very well might just make you a dick. Yeah, right? I'm not, and I'm the one who's, uh, you know, I'm the one who's in favor of wearing a necktie, wearing a nice shoes, wearing a, you know, a suit of clothes if you got it. But I try and wear them in situations where it's at least reasonably appropriate. Yeah, I, you know, I, I feel like it's a good... suit where it's not appropriate, you know, just might as well be Renfair gear. You know, it's, it's, or it's that Definitely. same thing. It's that same, like, let's freak out the normies. It's that same, you know, like like the kid who wore a suit to high school was just like, you know, eh, yeah. you're just being like, 
Yeah. Just being a little bit of a I, contrarian I, dick. In the right situations, obviously, I agree with what you're talking about. You can push it sometimes. But in the right situations, I, 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 I hope I stand for a lot of people out there that are going, I feel the same way. I sweat. I am a sweater. <laughs> yeah. And I have wanted to wear a suit on stage. I love it. I did Jimmy Kimmel a few months ago, and I wore a suit for the first time ever, ever doing TV. I wore a suit, and I loved it. It just felt good, and the suit fit right, and it... But I, you know, at a TV studio, you know, it's dirty below. And uh, but I always see when I see everyone out. I just saw, you know, when I see Paul Tom, Paul F. Tompkins out, or uh, or uh, you know, Greg Proops in the suit. I always think, oh, I love it. And to perform it in it, you feel like a million bucks. But I just sweat. I have no. I like, what can I wear? You know, because I just sweat all the time. So this is what I end up being comfortable in. So, but on the other hand, you got a fresh new shirt. What's that from Target? This is from Target. Yeah, so you look good. You got a V-neck there, which is good. I think that's a good call. Yeah. Well, it's a V-neck, but it's a tight V-neck. Mm-hmm, that's very a tight, very tight V. Yeah. Not, it's not a deep V. No. That's a tight You're V, which is which is great for casual wear as an mm. out, outerwear piece. I'm in support of that. Deep V. Deep V-neck, I think that's the worst thing in the world. <laughs> I think that is the single worst clothing garment a, a man can wear, is one of those fucking American apparel V-necks where the, it goes down to your sternum. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yes. You know those now, shirts? what about for a suit? I fucking hate that What about shit. for a suit? Because sometimes when I wear a suit, I wear a deep V, so you well, can't you, see that. When you're wearing a standard V, you're talking about a standard V. Standard like a v, 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 because see. I think it's important. Like, if you're going to wear an undershirt, I don't think your undershirt should be visible under your shirt. Unders- so I support, if you're wearing an open-collared shirt, for example, I say, go for it, wear a V-neck. Uh, regular V-neck, like if you just go grab Fruit of the Loom V-neck, right, right, that'll right. be a V-neck that goes down to, you know, but I'm talking about goes down to the, like the bottom of your sternum, yeah. so it almost grazes your nipples on the V. You know that kind of you know that kind of shirt I'm talking about. I know. I, know I really think that might be sure. the worst. I was talk, talking with my wife Teresa about this the other day, uh, and what we, and I said this to her. I said like, there's these sort of like. Um, I guess like uh, our block, there's this one building where there's relatively more like fashion students or they're, you know, the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising or whatever that's called, maybe is near here or something. I've just heard and there's just a lot of of dudes who need to eat something and just tone it down a little bit. And um, and I keep seeing that. I'm like, God, I fucking hate that. Like, I'm not against getting dressed. I'm not against fashion, you know, but I like just the deep V-neck and Teresa said, you know what? It's really gross to me. And I was like, that's exactly a perfect distillation of how I feel about the deep V-neck. It's gross. Like, I just don't like seeing that part of the body of a man in that context. It's weird. It gives me the heebie-jeebies. Makes you think it makes you think a dick's going to pop up. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what's dick's going gonna on, pop Jordan. Up out of his shirt. You know, I feel that way about and I think it's tank tops uh, now let me I'll be I'll be very honest and secure with myself to say there are some people that can wear a tank top it just doesn't look gross I don't know what it is it could be the way they're built it could be hey you're let's talking about it. you're talking about women uh, men and women <laughs> okay fine 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 go ahead yeah. continue but on, and, and especially on in stage uh, now for a, to, to when I see a few guys that have worn tank tops on stage over the long period of my career without naming anybody I think it's very self-indulgent now tell me do not just appease me tell me I only say can say one of two things I really don't tell me if you know you might agree with me go well it could say three Todd you're really not being fair it says one of two things can I go up to four if I need to yes you can, <laughs> okay. you can go up to four one I hope I remember this one it says I think I'm attractive where I look good in this right where I'm not or two you might go that doesn't mean that um 
Or I don't care. Well, people might be eating while watching my show. They'll have to look at my armpit hair. So you're saying, look at my armpit hair, and I don't care if it's gross. Or, no, mine's, my body is sexy. One or the other, it's just put a fucking shirt on on the stage. You know, here's, like, here's a list of people that I'm comfortable wearing a, 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 a tank top in public besides women. We're talking about gentlemen. There's a complete list. LL Cool J. <laughs> that's it. I'm fine. If LL wants to wear it, you know what you I mean? That's it. why ladies love Cool James. You know what I mean? And, and also, how can you make fun of what's crazy in life or what you're making fun of in a tank top? It's like a joke itself. I can imagine if I was leaving Oh, my a ha- comedian wearing a tank top. No I know, way. But there are that's a few. That's not comedy. Can I that's add, not uh, what comedy is. Yeah, and you're going to go make fun of somebody? It's like you're going to wear a tank top and go, hey, we're, make fun of people. Like You can only make imagine a guy in a tank top making fun of people in the audience. Hey, you're wearing a tank top. Hello. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can uh can I say that it it should be necessary that Vin Diesel wear a tank top at all times because he looks weird <laughs> when he's not in one. <laughs> I feel like when Vin Diesel is in a full shirt, I'm just like, ugh, where's your tank top, asshole? Did you ever? I hope there's somebody like this because if not, I'm gonna look stupid. Is there a person you could like Vin Diesel? I know this sounds crazy. I know who it is. I've heard his name. I have no idea what he looks like. Oh. Is there any actor out there like that that you could go, yeah, I know, I've heard their name, or am I a moron? So uh, just just earlier today, Tom Lennon was looking at something in a video game. He was sitting in my living room playing video games. <laughs> I know that sounds strange, but you're just going to have to accept it as a premise. And uh, he said, doesn't that look like Rose McGowan? I have no idea what Rose McGowan looks like. I only can remember Rose McGowan because I know it's a famous person, and he said it earlier, and I who, was who, perplexed do you know by who it. God, yeah, I do know who Rose who? McGowan is. Uh, she was in. Uh, she was in that Titanic. Did you? No, no, no. Uh, uh, did you see? The, you're thinking you of see, Leonardo DiCaprio. Did you no, see Rose, the, his girlfriend, in the, her real oh, name. You know what you're thinking of? Rose. The Titanic. Oh, what did I say? That's a boat. You said Rose McGowan. It was actually the Titanic. And what did I say? Yeah. Uh, you said Rose McGowan. We were talking, but you were thinking. You said Rose McGowan. You were thinking of an enormous uh, ocean cruise liner from the early 20th you know century. Who I can't no, picture? No, no. You know who I can't picture? No, no. This spruce goose everybody's always talking about. No, but, about. but hold on. Just... Okay, next call, next oh, call, wow. next call. Hey, Jordan, Jesse. Uh, this is Trevor from New Westminster calling. Um, I have a momentous occasion. I was just out jogging at about 11.30, listening to Jordan Jesse go, uh, as it turns out, and somebody in a car drove by and hurled a rock at me. And it just grazed the little fleshy part of skin above my knee and then smashed into, like, a retaining wall in someone's yard or something like that. Retaining wall in someone's yard? Do I I know what I was going to do about this? (laughs) And I was a little bit scared. My instincts kicked in, and I turned around, raised my fist, and said, "Assholes!" As they drove off. That's a vi- that. That's scare. That's weird and scary, What's right? A well, wall? It's, it's it's a retaining wall holds something back. So, like in somebody's yard, it might be they have like a slightly yeah. elevated, so it keeps no. the keeps the uh, grass and dirt from going onto the sidewalk. Okay. I, I had that happen once to me, and you know, you can all imagine that would annoy you. Obviously, oh, someone threw rocky. It's so 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 much more violating. <laughs> Because, you, you you know, I think of myself as someone that's always able to say, like, you know, appreciate life. And when there's even I'm, – I'm going full circle here, but you'll know where I'm going with this. When there's people in the business that aren't nice, any business, not just show business, any business, and that make your life miserable, I'm pretty ironclad that you should treat people with respect and dignity and try to be a decent person. And 
when people come along that aren't like that, just take a deep breath. They're they're punished. Not did through God. James, did James Cameron throw a rocket? No, <laughs> not through God. They're not punished just by their own miserable life. You know, they're punished. So you think, well, let it all take effect when you're walking down the street or on your bike and someone throws, throws a rock at you. And just, you know, it's hard to get to that place. You, I had, I had dreams of getting retaliation for like a week. <laughs> of like, because someone, so how just for no goddamn reason that person threw a rock at me. I'd be happier if I found out, no, they were at one of your shows, they don't like you. At least there's a reason just for some <laughs> random I fuck can't. to throw a rock at you. You want to just catch up with them, and I don't believe in violence. And just choke them until they're a second away from being dead and then letting them come back to life to only repeat it. You know, it's like, <laughs> I know that's, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's just such a, it's such a, for no reason. Because they're not kind enough. Am I right? Yeah. Okay. Here's the, thing. Here's the thing, Todd. Like, I'm, I'm amazed that you have that reaction. People have thrown things at me before. I think I've talked on the show. This, this guy called in to complain about me telling stories about growing up in the hood. Fuck you, guy. Um, I've talked about before battery on the story. show. Yeah, so people threw it's batteries a, about me. In his, it's a very popular story that you like to tell. Okay, well, it's a fucking defining moment but in sure, my life. Sure. If someone had thrown batteries at you off the top of a building when you were nine, you'd be, it would be an important so, part uh, of who you were. It happened, and I don't can go you, on and can on. You just, so, so I was, I, just for your sake, yeah. I was walking to, uh, actually walking to church, and I live right by the projects in San Francisco, and some people threw batteries at me and my mom, like C&D batteries from the top of the projects, which was like five stories up. So, like, seriously, like, if it hit our head, we could have killed us, no doubt about it. It was super scary. But that's, like, nothing compared to when we were, when, when Teresa and I were living in San Francisco, we lived in this neighborhood that was, um, we lived across the street from the projects where there was a bunch of, like, shootings and shit. But then, like, a block away was super fancy stuff. So, like, we were sort of, like, living, like, we didn't have very much money to live in a fancy neighborhood. So we were, like, living in the closest thing we could get to a fancy neighborhood, which was in the fancy neighborhood, but also across the street from super scary-ass projects. And w the one thing that terrified me more than anything else, and I think the difference between me and you, Todd, is my reaction is just terror. I have no, mm -hmm. I have no, I have no instinct towards retribution. Well, obviously, I'm being com for comedic Only, purposes. Uh, absolutely, up a no. Little. But I mean, I can't like uh, growing up where I grew up and just being like the skinny gay white kid. <laughs> obviously, I'm not actually gay, but like having the affect of a skinny gay white kid. <laughs> there was no, there was no doubt that I was not going to fight back if anything happened to me. It's just terror. But the scary thing that happened, the scary thing that happened when we were living in San Francisco was I was driving a, a car with um, rotor, uh, isn't it called, drum brakes, with drum brakes. I was driving a 65 Dodge Dart at the time. It just Perfect. shitty brakes on this car. Did not work well. And um, little kids, like 8, 10-year-old kids, 12, 8, 10, 12-year-old kids, would jump into the street in front of your car so you would have to slam on the brakes you know, you're just going 30 miles an hour, however fast you just go, you go on a city street, but would just to freak you out. And then they laugh at you, point at you, call you a bitch, slap your car and, you know, you drive around them because what the fuck can you do? Right. That is so terrifying because you're so powerless because what the fuck are you going to do? Get out of your car and beat up this little kid <laughs> like and, who but has he, a death wish already. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. He just called you a bitch. You know, like, what the fuck can you do? It's so scary. And that's how I feel anytime any kind of shit like that goes on. And, like, I can, like, like I, it doesn't happen that much to me anymore because I'm big, so people don't really step to me. And I, and I you know, I know how to avoid that situation. And, you know, just because I, I know how to, you know, I know how to avoid that situation. 
But when some shit like that does go down, it just terrifies me. Well, you know, it. it uh, yeah. By the way, I'm the biggest chicken in the world, so that's why that was my fantasy. But in, uh, I know. I, I'm, I always get teased by going too serious on it. But I always do wonder, what do you do? Like, what should your fantasy be if you're one with yourself and somebody throws a rock and it hits your bike? How can you not? I mean, Check this out, Todd. How about somebody throws a rock at you, you catch it, and drop it? That would be without the best. Moving your, That's fucking awesome, right? Isn't no, that you never answer? saw that happen, did you? You just catch it and you drop it. That's the cool I thing. I just saw it happen in my mind's eye and it was amazing. <laughs> I, I know this is a weird thing, and again, I'm I'm pretty chicken. And let's chicken. say let's say a little kid jumps out in front of your car. You just catch him and drop him <laughs> Wait, into a school. Yeah, you got it. Okay, well we or we, some sort of vocational program. We're running our mouths. We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. It's Jordan Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. I'm Jordan Morris, boy detective. Todd Glass is doing a fucking dance with his mm. pop filter. I was made pretending I was driving it like a car. <laughs> it was oh, good. fun. It was fun. You're right, Todd. It I'm is circular. Sorry. You'll notice that they are circular. So that's Just why like I thought the that driving was funny. wheel of a car. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know how cars have driving wheels? I do. You know what I'm talking about, a driving wheel. For driving. Steering wheel. Sure. Um, well, this was a fun show, right? Fun show. We got Todd Glass here. I want to I want to make sure people know about the totality of the Todd Glass experience here. Number one, they can enjoy Todd Glass's, frankly, borderline unhinged ranting on comedy and everything else. Um, they can hear about. No, what different did you things. say? I'm curious what you just said. <laughs> what, what, what did you? Hear? <laughs> I was going to just. Well, no, I know it sounded like nodding along. it sounded sort of good, but I thought, wait, that could have been an insult. <laughs> Frantically <laughs> say it again. Say okay, it. I said, frankly, borderline unhinged ranting. Yes, I was sir. referring only to your revenge fantasies, which we all agreed were amplified for comic <laughs> effect. There's no doubt about it. Todd is actually an extraordinarily <laughs> sweet, nice guy. There's, it's obvious who to all of us. Who just has the occasional choke fantasy? I mean, he'll just choke him. I mean, he's choked men. Sure, but who hasn't? <laughs> who hasn't? He just wants them to be nicer, kinder. Yeah. In Sometimes this economy... people need to be tortured until they're nice. Okay, so uh, Todd Glass, you can listen to Todd Glass on comedy and everything else. You can find that for absolutely 100% for free in the uh, information tunes, mm-hmm. uh, as our friend James Pardo would call it. Um, <laughs> he's got the brand new uh, comedy CD that you can get as a digital download in your iTunes, your Amazon MP3s, your whatnots. It's Thin called pig. Thin Pig, yeah. Todd Glass, Thin Pig. It's done well. We've sold about 140,000 copies in a, two weeks. So that's, it's pretty, like, that's pretty solid. It's crazy. That's a great performance. That's better than, uh, say, Spin Doctor's. I'm just yeah. naming some bands that sell a lot of records. Spin Doctor, no, it's, certainly. It's, it's, it's doing ten times better than I thought it would do. So Thin Pig, please go Thin buy Thin Pig. It. You should buy it. I, I, think, I, I sincerely, you know, I said this before, and a problem that I have in my day-to-day life is that I sound insincere when I'm saying things <laughs> sincerely. But Todd Glass, really one of the funniest people you could ever get the chance to see on the stand-up stage. Uh, just a really brilliant performer. And Jordan and I have talked outside of, about how much we uh, love and admire uh, Todd Glass's work on the stage. So something you should really see. Thank you. And as it so happens, if you live in the San Francisco Bay Area, as a lot of our people do, you can head down to the Punchline. Yeah, the second week 
in August. I'm sorry I don't have the exact date, but I'll be at the Punchline in uh, in San Francisco. Obviously, well, which not obviously. Which is really, if you're going to go see, if you're going to go see a comedy club. club in a, in, if you're going to go see a comedy show in a comedy club, you really can't beat the Punchline. It's um, everything about that club. It's like vacation for me because they run it. They know what they're doing. And one yeah. other quick thing, real quick. Sure. At the end of August, the 28th and the 29th, I'll be in Portland. Oregon at this place called the Hawthorne Theater. They have a big room that holds 500, but I'm not in that room. I'm doing a little small show in a side room, but it's basically at the Hawthorne Theater in Portland, Oregon, the 28th and 29th. Is this put on by those good, the good folks from the Bridgetown Comedy Festival you know, and the Matt Brongers and the whole the whole uh, nine yards? Uh, yeah, it's the, the main guy who books that festival. Why am I drawing a blank to his Talking name? Talking about in Big Andy Wood. Yeah, the, the great Andy Wood. What a nice fellow that Andy Wood is. He is a nice Private guy. Private listener to the show, I think. Yeah, so so I'm in the Portland uh, at at Hawthorne uh, Theater, the 28th and 29th of August. So go buy your tickets and and I'm I'm, I'm actually can't wait to go to. Portland. I bet you get a good. I bet you'll Portland's get a. Fun, I bet you get a good crowd well, at know, that Portland show because it, it'll be people who come out because because they know they they get what you're doing. I hope because you know this is the first time and I've been doing comedy for a long time where I'm doing what I'm doing there. Usually I go to a comedy club. You know I they do everything. I've never I've had promoters bring me into a theater, but at this one it's sort of just me wanting to go back there. So I like that venue. I asked the owner. I said, hey, can I do the 28th and 29th here? He goes, yeah, we'll put the tickets up on the website. So whatever I promote it, that's who goes. So there's yeah. no built-in audience. So You should hopefully... go see it, folks. Go okay. see it, folks. And thank you for having me on the show. I, oh, it's I... a pleasure yeah. to have you. We're so happy. I was a little have... nervous, believe it or not. Isn't no. That... I was. You weren't nervous. I was a little bit, no. yes. You're yes. a pro. We're a couple of galoots. I know, but still, it's... Uh... You go toe-to-toe with Mr. Jimmy Dore every week. And, All right. And we don't, you know, we're just a couple <laughs> we're of... We're just a couple of yokes. Uncles, yeah. uh, futzing around making on microphones. Making moonshine in our bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jordan, speaking of making moonshine in the bathtub, yeah. uh, I, we'll probably get one show in before this happens, but uh, you're going to be making the moonshine in our Jordan Jesse Go bathtub in August. Yeah, yeah. I think in August, Jesse's going on a little vacay, so uh, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be maybe hosting some shows. Uh, oh. Uh, if, you know, if please uh, give an email if you have suggestions for guests. I'm sure as heck not going to do it alone. No. Uh, so yeah, if you have suggestions for guests you'd want to see, please uh, put them up please, on the forum. Yeah, maybe yeah. is any great place to put them. Uh, yeah. And um, oh, hey. Uh, as incentive to go see Todd Glass, we still yeah. have the High Five Contest going on, don't we? High Five Contest, okay, let's talk about the High Five Contest for a second, because I'm glad you brought this up. People have been asking me, what's the story with the High Five Contest? End of the month. How's that sound? End of July? End of July. Okay. Unless you want to take it over, be in charge of it for August. You want to be in charge of it for August? Yeah, I, I say let's stretch it out for a couple of, uh, so a couple of weeks okay. so people can include End Todd of August. in their High Fives. End of August. What's End this? What of is a high August. Five? Here's how it works. There's a point system. People need to high-five people and take a photograph of it. You get one point for a photograph for every photograph of a high-five. You can't get points for people that you've already photographed taking a high-five with, so you can't just go around with your buddy and take a bunch of pictures of the two of you high-fiving and get a million points. So it has to be a new person in each photograph. You get extra points for uh, the following. High-fiving a baby, high-fiving an animal, high-fiving in front of a major landmark... Uh, in your local area, high-fiving a celebrity. Now, celebrity includes all past Jordan, Jesse, Go, and the Sound of Young America guests, as well as uh, major celebrities as determined by a jury of your peers, uh, which is to say the arbitrary judgment of myself and Jordan. Last time we ran this contest, somebody had a nice high-five picture with Yao Ming. Really? Yao Ming of the Houston Rockets. That was a very high-five. Oh. 
a very Chinese five. I thought you meant the president when you said it. That's why I was like, A basketball five. (laughs) President Yao Ming? I don't know. It sounded like a president. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He's got my vote. And uh, we're going to put together an amazing prize package for the winner. I haven't decided what it is. There'll probably be some cash dollars American. I'm going to kick it off with 20 bucks, a saw buck. Wow. I Will like you match, it. Jordan? You prepared to match? Yeah, I'll match. I'll match. Okay. I'll, I'll give match. something towards it. Okay, Todd. I want to see some good How about dinner at my there? house? <laughs> <laughs> I would do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we got 40 bucks and dinner at Todd Glass. <laughs> dinner with Todd Glass. Now, let's be clear. You have to use the 40 bucks to buy the dinner. Todd Glass is only providing the house. <laughs> no, no, I'll, I'll treat the dinner. <laughs> um, so we'll we'll start with 20 bucks from each of us, and we'll put together, you know, I got all this crap. It just comes in here, you know what I mean? Just stuff that gets mailed to me because I host a radio show. We're going to put together a real nice prize package hey, you know for what? the winner. I got I got some crap I'll throw in there, too. <laughs> Hello. So I'm on TV. I get mailed crap, too. We're basically going to put together an entire box full of crap. We're not going <laughs> to pad it. We're just going to throw it in the box, tape it up, and mail it to you, you yeah. fucker. And see what happens. You know what I mean? Okay, we've been running our mouths for far too long. We had a lot of we had a lot of fun here with Mr. Todd Glass. Yeah, comedy and everything else. Thin Pig, Punchline, Portland, Oregon. Um, we had a lot of good time with Mr. Jordan Morris from Fuel Television. Sure. Of course, myself, The Sound of Young America, and etc. Our theme music, Love You by The Free Design from Kites Are Fun, the best of the free design. Someone said there's more than one best of the free design. <laughs> Kites are fun. And, of course, Jordan's driving his pop filter like it was the wheel of a car. We'll be back next time on Jordan, Jesse, Go. We love you. 12.59 a.m. God damn it, Jesse. Santa Cruz High fucking sucks. Oh, my God. Those little fucking cocksuckers egged my car. Ooh. Ooh, they will pay. Man, I was over at fucking James and Mike's. Uh, I mean, uh, Mike's place, right? With James, we were watching The Usual su- Suspects, and then the movie's over, and so I'm headed back, and right by fucking uh, Bay and uh, Empire Grades, something comes out and hits the windshield. I figure it's an egg or a water balloon or something, right? Get back up to Porter, take a look at it, fucking egg, right on the top of the windshield. Oh, those little punks are going to fucking pay. If I had my baseball bat in the car, I would have pulled over, fucking turned around and beat the shit out of those assholes. Anyway, that's all for now. Bye. End of message.